and welcome to the Energetic Principles Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa LaFera, an astrologer, tarot consultant, all-around creative from sunny San Diego, California. And this is the 82nd episode of the podcast for the week of December 30th, 2019. Now, this edition of the podcast is a special Astrology of 2020 episode where Washington-based professional astrologer Gray Crawford will be joining me to go through all the action that 2020 has in store. And Lord knows there is plenty. So this is going to be a rather long episode in its own right with so much to tell. So there will be no weekly forecast in the beginning of this particular episode. Now, on that note, I do have an announcement about changes that I'm going to be making to the podcast. And so what I'm doing is I'm going to be moving my weekly forecast to Patreon. Uh, so the pay, uh, the podcast itself will be breaking up a little bit. And because, you know, it is a lot of work for me, Saturn and Pluto is catching up with me in the third house, uh, to keep doing this all, but yet I love doing it. So in order to meet the time and effort needed to produce that show each week, I decided to take that forecast version over to Patreon as a subscription-only offering. And so if you found value in uh, listening to the podcast for uh, all these episodes, I do encourage you to come check it out. So there will be two tiers on offer. One will be a $5 per month for the weekly forecast, which will be similar to the program that you know and love. Uh, And then there will be an $8 per month option for the forecast, the show notes, and a new option to Ask Mel, which will be a new patron-generated question feature that will be then incorporated into the weekly show that's on Patreon. Now, with these changes, I will be ceasing my Astro Storytime offering so that I can spend time on my upcoming courses, which are going to be both online and local here in San Diego. Uh, But as an added bonus for signing up for the program, all patrons will have access to the five episodes that I recorded, which is a total of five and a half hours of all the astro. (laughs) So once you sign up, you will be able to have access to that as well. Now, uh, patrons will also have early access to the guest segments before they are live to listen to for all, uh, along with early access to my Lunation Astrocasts, as now I am taking my uh, all my moon reports uh, verbal because I like talking it out in podcast form. Now, in final addition and incentive, once I reach my goal of 200 or more patrons, I will then start offering a monthly 30-minute session giveaway to patrons of the podcast and the forecast as a thank you for your support. So I do hope that you will join me. Uh, The new tiers will be up on Patreon by January 1st, but do note if you are a new patron, you may want to wait to sign up until January 1st uh, or after so that you're not charged for December because that's just how Patreon works, unfortunately, when you do a monthly subscription instead of a by episode situation. So the 
first patron-only forecast is going to air on Sunday, January 5th, just in time for our big eclipse week and the Saturn-Pluto week. So I do hope you will come down. So to find out more and to sign up after the first, you can do so at patreon.com backslash energetic principles. And also as a quick reminder that if you are in San Diego, we will be having our 2020 panel at the San Diego Astrological Society on the night of the eclipse on Friday, January 10th. And then we will have a workshop the following morning at 10 a.m. on Saturday the 11th. So to find out more about signing up for SDAS uh, and joining these events, please visit sandiegoastrology.com. All right, so without further ado, now let's meet our guest. All right, I am so happy to welcome back this week's very special guest. We have Gray Crawford back with us. Hi, Gray. Thanks for joining me again. Yeah, thank you for inviting me, and I'm excited to talk about 2020. So much to talk about. I'm like, where do we, where do we even begin? I think I'm exhausted just uh, trying to start. Um, but before we get started here, because uh, if you're a listener to the podcast, you may have caught Gray back in September, I think right before our Pisces full moon, when we did a talk on exploring soul, which is also a very <laughs> deep and rich, long topic. So uh, this, I call on Gray for the, you know, the, the, the detailed work. Um, but Gray, will you uh, just give people a little quick background on yourself in case they haven't heard of you before? Sure, yeah. I'm a practicing astrologer and uh, work professionally actually as a social worker, but then I do astrology in my all the rest of the time that I have. I have a website, graycrawford.net. My name is spelled G-R-A-Y Crawford.net. And I write um, usually at least about the new moon and full moon each month, sometimes other articles um, in case you check that out and like it. I do have a Patreon that you can support me on to get some extra content. And on the higher level, like like a $9 monthly subscription, there's like a monthly meeting that I do that you can participate in or get the recording. And then I do natal consultations. And recently, I am now doing horary as well. Um, One thing this past year, I did a horary practitioner course with a school of traditional astrology. And so I'm doing that. I need to change my website to actually redo how I have things on there. It's not actually even listed on there. But if I am doing that now, my rate's going to be pretty low because I'm just kind of starting out. So I'm going to have a pretty cheap rate for horaries in case anyone's ever interested in that view. Well, get it while you can, because I'm sure that rate is going to go up with, because uh, Gray is very brilliant at what he does. And congratulations on, uh, you know, taking that meaty horary course through uh, uh, Deborah Holding School over there. And so that's very exciting. Yes. So I, if I have a question, <laughs> Gray's the guy to, an- to answer that. I love how you said in your time, you didn't put spare in front of that. You put just <laughs> what time I have. Um, and it's, it's hard to find time these days. And uh, I feel like that might even be the case going forward more as we get into this like crazy Capricorn energy that's coming up. And Capricorn definitely is very concerned with time. Um, as a Capricorn moon, I know there's not enough. So... Uh, I'm very excited to talk about, uh, you know, 2020 because it's going to be a hell of a year. <laughs> and I, I mean, where do we start, Gray? Like, what, what are some of the highlight highlights what, that are before us? 
Yeah, I mean, even answering that question, it's it's a huge uh, question. It's it's the biggest year in astrology that we've had in a long time. Um, people that have been following astrology, like the last decade, you know, there were the Pluto series of Pluto and Uranus squares that occurred in like 2010 to like 2016 or so, and we're just sort of kind of recently getting out of orb of aspect of that. But we haven't actually had like the outer planets like Jupiter and beyond any of them actually come together um, in an actual conjunction to start a new cycle in the past decade. The last one was really like 2010, 2011, when uh, Jupiter and Uranus got together at the very end of Pisces and that zero Aries point. And there really is a different quality when planets um, come together. And it's interesting, too, just to think about how much more popular astrology is now. I know how many more more people are practicing it. So I know for a lot of people out there, this might be the first time they've been really paying attention to astrology and experiencing these these planets coming together. So we have this this phenomenon. You know, when this happens, we have this really big, larger cycles. You know, astrology is all about the cycles of time. And so we're having these major cycles coming to an end and beginning. So it's sort of like this um, hyper dark moon kind of quality. Um, You know, if you're familiar just with the the time of the dark moon each month, but it's that, you know, just really magnetized um, to an extreme. Um, Like one image... I think of, you know, we ever see images of like the goddess um, Kali, who's like a dark goddess and has like a garland of skulls. And in some images, you'll see her kind of dancing on top of Shiva, who's um, laying on like a funeral pyre. And um, there is, and, you know, and I I think that idea of dancing and being an active creative agent during this time, um, using all the big endings, beginnings, there's lots of breakdowns and breakthroughs that are, that are going to be occurring all over the place to um, really be actively creating as part of that, um, as well as needing to be you know, a receptive responder to what's going on around you and other people. But um, there's very major cycles um, closing and beginning. So the, the really major ones are Saturn, Pluto, which we're going to get right away at the beginning of the year. And, but it's not actually just Saturn, Pluto. There's Mercury, Ceres, the Sun all involved. I'm sure we'll talk about that in a moment. Um, there's Jupiter, Pluto. And then the really, really major one is Jupiter, Saturn, mm-hmm. which is closing down a 20-year cycle that goes back to the year 2000 when Jupiter and Saturn last came together in Taurus. So on one level, you know, we're closing down this 20-year cycle, and the, the Jupiter-Saturn cycles have lined up with, the, with our Gregorian calendar decades for a while now. So they've really been demarcating each decade, you know, conjunction on the start of one decade and opposition on the start of the next decade. Like back in 2010, we had like the opposition. Um, but they've also historically for a long time been used to demarcate these much longer ages, triplicities of the elements, where they basically will unite in the same element 
for roughly 200 years. And there's different calculations. There's a tropical, like actual tropical calculation of where they're actually occurring, which this year is going to be in Aquarius at the very end of 2010. Um, But then there's also a mean calculation that used to be used, which is this sort of mathematical equation. And that's the one that typically lines up with this 200-year cycle. So the, we're basically coming to the end of a 200-year Earth cycle. In uh, 1802, there was a Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Virgo. And actually, the actual cal- the, the tropical location of that and the mean calculation both lined up in that instance. Mm. But then the ending of the cycle has, has been a... Um, discrepancy between those two calculations. So in 1980, 1981, we had a tropical Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Libra, which was the first one in air that wasn't Earth. Then in 2000, we had the Taurus one. We went back to Earth. Um, The mean calculation, the first one was actually in 2000, but it was in Gemini. And then um, this year, 2010, 2020, they're lining up where they're both going to be in Aquarius, basically. Mm. So there's there won't be another Jupiter-Saturn conjunction in Earth. And we're going to be in this long, you know, close to 200-year cycle of only having Jupiter-Saturn uniting in air signs. So it's not, in, in that way, this, this ending of Jupiter and Capricorn he- heading across Pluto, heading towards Saturn, it is bringing an end not only to this really last 20 years, but we can actually take this back to like 200 years since like the beginning of the 19th century. You can think of everything that goes along with that, with like the earth element, you know, with like colonialism, um, these, all these empire building, like world wars. Mm-hmm. Well, the industrial age. Industrial revolution. You know, yeah. product which we're inundated with. And, you know, and that's so interesting, Gray, how the, the difference between the tropical and the mean and how, you know, starting in 1980, we started to get some of that air flavor, which is air flavor, package that. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, when you think about it, like I did, a, you know, one of my recent uh, Astro Story Times was on Steve Jobs and, you know, the Apple computer, you know, mm-hmm. revolutionized, you know, the the fact that we're even talking today like this, uh, you know, started to seed in around that kind of like air type of changeover where we start to get more computers and more, you know, that we're entering in this information age. And here we are at the very... 81. Yeah. 81, yeah. Yeah. And so we're kind of dipping in and out of that. And I know a lot of people, you know, and it could be just all the Capricorn that's talking in the skies right now. People just don't want stuff anymore. You know, they're like, get, just get it out of my life. You know, like we're trying to, we have too much waste. And I think that's really a product of uh, this changing of an era that has been, you know, really 200 years in the making where we have enough stuff. We've produced enough. That's not like what it's all about anymore. And so I'm very interested to see how this next cycle of growth, even though we've had, you know, little uh, precursors of that since 1980 will continue to push us into this more information, this more cloud-based, you know, we don't be paperless, you know, <laughs> to be very simple, but uh, that's just where my mind goes right away for that, you know, so, or we'll turn yeah. into robots. I don't know, one, <laughs> one of the two. <laughs> so. Right. so, yeah, and, and the other key ones would be uh, 
mentioned it sort of, but Jupiter is very important because, you know, we start with Saturn, Pluto, then Jupiter's moving through. Most of the year is actually Jupiter and Pluto. Dancing. Going back, yeah, dancing, like three-time union. And then Mars, which we'll talk about. Mars is the other really major one, which is really mixed up in all of this. Um, We have a a very major Mars retrograde Mm -hmm. in Aries. Um, But Mars is basically, at every single equinox or solstice point, Mars is like hitting um, these major alignments. It's interacting with it kind of volatizing it so another image i've thought about is just you know like the tower card if we're doing like tarot mm-hmm. definitely a really major tower card as well as i'd say like judgment and world cards happening yeah like, for sure, like that tower. <laughs> and there is that when we think about the tower card you know similar to how people have been acting afraid of 2020 sometimes people get really afraid when they see the tower card but there is that big unleashment of energy that can be directed creatively when you get that card. When you go through that kind of shattering experience, there's also this sort of release of a ton of energy. And um, that's definitely going to be happening. And, you know, it's not just Mars retrograde, as we'll talk about. There's also a Venus retrograde. Mm-hmm. So it's major changes even on just relational levels, um, how we are in relationship, what we, you know, what coming into... Um, much deeper contact with what you really truly desire and um, want to do with your life, what you want to create with your life, um, being really kind of um, just sort of like the necessity of, of figuring that out. Like the, all the challenges are really going to sort of demand that you come to terms with that. Mm, yeah. Because I mean, it's a, it, big new cycles are starting not only on the world sphere, but I mean, that trickles down into all of our lives. And, and I love that you brought up the tower card because one of the things that um, I was just doing a meditation like a handful of weeks ago. And one of the downloads I got was, you know, it's a very simple, it's just like, this is all foundation building. This is the bottom is falling out, which is very much a tower card thing because there's just crumbling foundations everywhere, you know, literally and figuratively speaking. And so the tower is a perfect representation of that, um, especially like you said, with uh, Jupiter and Pluto meeting throughout the year within a dance and then Mars basically retrograding, you know, back over that area, which is, you know, Mars is the tower essentially. Um, And so there are definitely tower forces at work in 2020. But I think we've already gotten a lot of taste of it um, too, uh, up until this point. And maybe that was actually some of the pivotal uh, movements that Mars has already made, you know, in the in the precursing squares from Libra to these positions. And so, um, mm-hmm. you know, I, we're, I think we're already there, but it, this is going to be a long process because this is Saturn that is talking essentially. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, it's all happening in Capricorn. So if you're looking at who's the master of domain, you know, Saturn is the one in charge here. And Saturn, uh, you know, it paces things out. Uh, you know, this is a slow uh, process, um, a, a profound one, but it is a slow one. Uh, but at times, it's going to feel very fast, I think. You know, it's slow in the... <sighs> the process, but I think there's going to be certain moments where it comes on tower-like, where it's kind of like that strike of lightning and, and something mm-hmm. shifts uh, into this new, you know, kind of long-term consideration. So 
And so if you haven't had enough, <laughs> everyone's trying to find the positive angles to 2020. Um, and I think there are some, and it just depends on who you are too, you know, because there's some people that give them Saturn, Pluto any day. You know, the people that were born in 1982 during the conjunction last time in Libra, they're like, you know, no problem. I'm coming into my own now. But then there's other people that, you know, it just, it's a little bit harder to work with these energies because maybe they don't come as naturally. So... Yeah, and I should have said that I'm a Saturn Pluto. I'm not a Saturn Pluto person in that that aspect. I mm-hmm. am the square, so I'm the oh. Saturn Cancer square uh, Pluto and Libra. Libra. Mm-hmm. So I'm the like the last quarter waning square of the cycle, but it is one of the hard aspects. Um, and I mean, I've seen that, and, and there's a delicate dance in how to talk about this because on one hand. It's not, you know, it's only worth getting a f- having fear come up about this if that's going to motivate you to, mm-hmm. um, you know, back against the wall, get out there and hone your craft and, and um, you know, inspire you to take action and, and do things. Um, but it's also to act like, oh, yeah, don't, don't, don't act like it's, it, it, the reality of tracking a lot of these alignments across time, they, they do <laughs> line up with really major things. And Saturn Pluto is not a pleasant, um, happy-go-lucky kind of events happening in the world. Um, so, for example, what just happened in England with um, Boris Johnson and the conservatives having this landslide victory, mm-hmm. that would be, that is exactly what you would expect to happen with Saturn Pluto. Um, so that doesn't stop people from doing really creative things. If you think about like back in 1981, 1980, um, yeah, there was Margaret Thatcher, there was Ronald Reagan, um, mm-hmm. there was the Cold War happening. Um, there was a total explosion though in terms of like punk rock new wave music a lot of people doing experimental artistic things that were not celebrated in the popular culture but have um stood up as enduring sources of inspiration uh, for people um going forward in, in literature as well um there's a there's lots of really famous literary works that come out during saturn pluto alignments so um, there's, you know, when we have these kind of big things happening, there's, there's definitely um, ways to creatively respond to it. And it can, it can bring things out of you that you didn't know was necessarily there, that you wouldn't necessarily realize was there if you weren't kind of forced into um, having to um, make it happen. So it's, it's, it's definitely less of a year of like, um, not not to diss on the idea of law of attraction because there's definitely truth to like visualizing what you want to have happen, but it's not the kind of year to just kind of I just want to I'm going to have everything everything I want and just have this big expansive like I'm going to just be getting everything I want and visualizing everything I want is going to happen. I mean, there, there's you're, there's it's a year where you have to more, more come to terms with not getting everything you necessarily want, but but um, using what is actually available to to you wisely even maybe cutting back and you know contracting in some ways 
Yeah. Um, Which is definitely part uh, of Jupiter's agenda because, you know, now that Jupiter's in Capricorn, and I think we're already kind of feeling this in many ways, especially at this, you know, start of Jupiter in these early degrees, you know, if we pull it back to the tarot and we're thinking of, mm -hmm. uh, you know, the two of pentacles and the whole idea of, you know, shifting things around and seeing what you can hold, you know, seeing what plates you can still spin or what ones are going to fall to the ground. And so there is a lot of, um, you know, in order to, to ex expand that, which we're going to do, we're always moving forward in some way. But I think, like you said, there is going to be constriction in order to uh, expand. And so we have to pull back in order to move forward or in order to focus in certain ways to grow. And sometimes that pulling back or that constriction is not necessarily like we just decide that for ourselves. Sometimes, you know, the universe puts certain roadblocks in our way or, you know, mm -hmm. maybe an, an avenue doesn't work out and then you, you know, you shift a little bit this way and then you find, uh, or maybe there was just too much going on to begin with and you, you know, you can kind of feel the walls close in in a little bit, a uh, little bit, but they give you a hallway to get to a different room, basically. Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, definitely. There's a the last year I've gotten into the runes and just to throw out one more final, yeah. <laughs> the rune, there's a rune that's like need, it looks like a two sticks. Um, it's sort of aligned with like the need fire and, and it looks like kind of like two sticks, like rubbing two sticks together to create a fire. Mm -hmm. And it's sort of like that idea of like necessity. Um, it's one that I've pulled a lot thinking about things, um, as we kind of come to the end of this year, heading into next year. Um, and just that, that sort of need fire of like what comes out of necessity, but not um, that system that, you know, instead of talking about fate destiny, that it's this idea of like weird or like the, the web of weird, but it's, it's, it's very similar to that idea of like fortune spirit, diamond type of destiny type of thing. And not to, really be striving against it, but to be using that like constructively. Um, and so I think that's really one of the key things about this year is just to really being aligning with, with working with the natural cycles of what's actually happening around you and really getting active, developing your skills. Um, you're going to be tested and, and you're going to actually become more skillful by getting out there and actually doing your thing. You know, you're, you're going to be tempered and tested, and it's going to actually cultivate greater strength and talents from you by by being active and 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 but also having to sort of respond to what happens if that makes sense. There's a a real need to kind of come to terms with the things that are. There's going to be things basically changing out of your control, so you're going to have to focus. There's going to be certain elements you're in control of and how you're responding to, and. That's where the focus really needs to be. Mm -hmm. But it's not something I think to be afraid of. It's, there's actually a, a really big creative potential um, of what you can end up creating out of this. Um, seeing that, you know, there, there's certainly going to be really major, difficult collective events happening the whole time. Though. Yeah. Well, and I like, I like, that's a great point to bring up just to re remind, you know, cause it's easy to forget, you know, especially when we're going to have be experiencing all this earth energy of just the nature of control. And, you know, especially if you have a lot of earth planets yourself or certain, you know, placements, you know, if you find that you're normally a controlling person, you know, that might be part of the challenge of this year is learning that power of, of, you know, reaction, you know, because there's, 
So there's a lot of things in life that you just don't have power over. And if you focus on them or you fight against that wave, you're just going to continue to give away your power in the process. And so you have to, you know, if it's out of your hands, it's out of your hands. You, you do the hardest thing. And maybe that's where that Jupiter Neptune sextile comes in. You accept, <laughs> you accept and you, and you move on and you put your focus uh, in your, your control. Cause we do all do have control but over ourselves, you know, and, and let that be uh, harnessed into the energy and the, and the work, you know, the work that we're going to do, because that's another thing with Capricorn is this is a year, you know, I know a lot of people that are under going to do big undertakings in, in business or, mm-hmm. so, you know, I have a handful of friends that are having a child for the first time and that, that's mm-hmm. a big, you know, thing for them. And, and these are just, you know, this is this is where it's at. It's going to take a lot of work. It's pro- it's going to be rewarding in the end once we get reestablished and we kind of know what we're doing and we're you know feel like we're on stronger ground and footing. Um, but it's you know that's going to be a yeah. bit of an up and down process. <laughs> that was a good reminder in case you're not having children. It's just to think about yeah, there's going to be children born with these transits and they're going to end up doing some amazing things. Yeah, these same transits. Some people are freaking out about. There's going to be people's birth charts that are going to do really important, you know, amazing work in the world. I totally agree. I, there's some, oh, I have a friend that's due like right in the thick of it. And I'm like, I can't wait. And she's, she's amazing. I can't wait to see what her child does. Hopefully not live to tell the tale. No, but <laughs> just kidding. Um, so yeah. So basically, you know, we have uh, essentially three big grand conjunctions underway for 2020. Um, and we have basically all planets going retrograde. You name it, it's going retrograde mm-hmm. at some point yeah, in 2020. Um, and the one thing that we didn't uh, kind of do just a quick overlay on um, is the fact that the nodal axis is changing too. Mm-hmm. And so we're yeah. moving out of those Cancer Capricorn eclipses and the North Node's now going into Gemini and doing that Gemini Sagittarius uh, balance, which should be very active for you, Greg. Um, but mm-hmm. you know, we're going to get a whole flavor of different eclipse energy coming on through that we'll, we'll talk about. So, uh, And it's not concentrated just to that. So it, much like a lot of what we're talking about here, there's kind of dips of in and out, you know, it's, it, we're in between in so many ways. Um, but, uh, yeah, but it's still, it's still going to be a lot. Are we missing anything in the overview? I think that's good for the, yeah, I think we should talk about, talk about, start talking about it. Get into the first, Gray had the idea. He's like, let's do it by solstice to equinox to, to, um, to equinox. Yeah. <laughs> Solstice to Equinox. It just does that. Um, so we're yeah, we're gonna take the year in some quarters and kind of break some things up a little bit. Um, but you know, basically, you know, the Capricorn Solstice will have already happened by the time, you know, this airs, but you know, we're taking a look at a bigger picture, so we'll just kind of throw throw that in there. So I mean, what do you what do you see off the Capricorn Solstice and uh, just this first, you know? <laughs> first season i guess yeah so um to me you know really just starting with the solar eclipse i think is a good place to start which is not it's a few days after the capricorn solstice so that'll be on december 25th or december 26th depending on your time zone i guess it's only december 25th if you're in pacific time but um it's a total solar eclipse so that's one of the things that's really dramatic about this year. Um, 
because the, we start with the solar eclipse right after the solstice. The Cancer solstice is a solar eclipse. Um, and the equinox are also very potent and kind of very volatile. So every single point has like these really major volatizing, change-inducing types of themes happening. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and that sets us up. That's the thing. You got to remember with these ingress charts is that they are, you know, it's not just that moment and then, oh, we move on. You know, this is, it's setting up an energetic signature that is carried out through a period of time. So mm-hmm. just keep that in mind. Yeah. So the, the uh, beginning is, is interesting because we get the solar eclipse that's right on Jupiter. Mm-hmm. So the Jupiter is on the, the 25th, 26th solar eclipse. Jupiter's right there. It's the very, very, very end of Jupiter's synodic cycle. So Jupiter's about to be regenerated in the heart of the sun. And right when that's all going on, we get the solar eclipse. Jupiter's also really close to the south node of the moon. Mm-hmm. And then the following lunar eclipse is really interesting because we then go into a lunar eclipse that hits right as multiple things are going on. Um, But the following lunar eclipse is actually exactly almost to the minute, um, to the degree, but really crazily close to Mercury. Mercury is basically Kazemi. It's Mercury's superior conjunction um, I tend to think of it as sort of like a celestial Kazemi because Mercury at this point of its cycle is all the way on the other cross, other side of the sun from us, moving really fast. Mm-hmm. So Mercury, in this case, Mercury actually has already been, instead of, you know, Jupiter is like right before Jupiter gets in the heart of the sun. Mercury basically is in the heart of the sun when this is happening, but just kind of leaving it by like six minutes, I think. Oh, it's so close. It's like um, crazy. <laughs> the whole lot. So when we think about Jupiter and Mercury, right, um, that, that, that's interesting because they are planets that are associated with the mutable signs. And although we have this really major cardinal thing happening, you know, the real emphasis, emphasis this year is on Cancer Capricorn for sure, especially yeah. Capricorn. But as you mentioned, we are moving into a year where eventually we're going to get the nodes going into Gemini and Sagittarius. We're going to have a major mutable thing happening in the second quarter with Venus retrograde, squaring Neptune and Pisces, Venus retrograde and Gemini. So it is kind of, there is a thing that's going to be coming in with the mutable signs. So, and I think about um, Jupiter and Mercury um, really being involved in the seeding of both of these eclipses. Um, there's something about the flexibility of consciousness um, that the mutable signs are about, um, which, you know, that kind of theme will be coming into play later. But it means that even though the really major thing we're, we're going to be thinking about during this time is the um, alignment of Saturn and Pluto on January 12th, mm-hmm. the um, Solar eclipse and the lunar eclipse actually are, are very much mixed up with, with Jupiter and Mercury. So a lot of the really major themes that are coming out of the solar eclipse are actually very connected to Jupiter. And then the lunar eclipse are actually very connected strongly to Mercury. Um, however, that lunar eclipse, I mean, it's not just Mer- Mercury is like right on it. But then, you know, Ceres is just like a degree away. The Saturn-Pluto conjunction is only like two degrees away. 
So the lunar eclipse is also right on top of the Saturn-Pluto. So that is just kind of throwing us in the most dramatic way possible um, into that new new Saturn-Pluto cycle. Um, But I think it's interesting that Mercury is so tightly um, wound up in, in the eclipse on one hand, you could say that's a kind of a volatizing, you know, Mercury kind of making things a little bit more hectic. But I also think about Mercury is all about mediating polarities, not mm. just like the sun and moon, but, you know, conscious, unconscious. Uh, one of the major things about Saturn-Pluto that comes out in uh, Rick Tarnas's work in the Cosmos and Psyche book is about how Saturn-Pluto periods tend to be about massive polarized conflict Mm. just like we're experiencing now Um, people being afraid of you know overwhelming forces out of their control you know just like it's going on right now Um, often very um, in this case you know the the military industrial complex and these these big overwhelming forces of you know seeming power Um, and there's often like these really um powerful things about boundaries, not just like nation state boundaries, but even within the polarized conflict, the idea of like the scapegoat or, you know, not being aware of your own shadow and just projecting things onto the other person. Mm -hmm. So like um, currently there's lots of people now, you know, talking about like, Oh, this is like a witch hunt Um, or, you know, fears of like immigrants. Um, And that idea of, um, that, that phenomenon of just like projecting things onto this other group or person um, without acknowledging your own shadow and how, you know, the people then start acting out actually the way that they're, per- they're persecuting this other person for being like, they actually tend to start acting out that way in their reaction to that person they're projecting on. And so Mercury is actually a figure um, in astrology that we can work with in a way of mediating this and going into our own shadow and exploring that deeper side of our psyche. So that's one aspect of these, these eclipses where there's lots of shadowy forces happening mm-hmm. and things are um, very major changes happen. Um, eclipse periods tend to be when things start getting unleashed and uh, if it's hitting your chart or just lining up with your life in whatever way major things come to an end and beginning. Um, Sometimes, you know, unplanned, it just kind of happens. Like there's just this sort of force that's unleashed with them. Um, It's like a fate, a faded force of, you know, because that's the whole idea with eclipses is it can definitely feel like faded energy is at play. And I do want to pull it back real quick to what you're saying about the idea of the scapegoat. And uh, actually, uh, you had talked about that uh, graded a Jupiter and Capricorn webinar, which, uh, you know, shameless plug, you know, (laughs) go check that out. That was definitely uh, had some fabulous information. But that's a good example within these eclipses um, because, you know, when you look at an eclipse path uh, and where that eclipse is going to be, you know, visible from, those areas are kind of highlighted further. Um, and these particular eclipses are going to be happening in the region of, um, uh, across India uh, and across the South Pacific um, and just oh, that whole region. But India is very uh, focal in these eclipses. And so, it, you know, throughout the year, there's a couple more that um, are, you know, t- are tapping into that. But 
that's exactly what's happening there right now. I just read an article, you know, yesterday about uh, the whole thing going on in Kashmir. And basically they are like one step away from, you know, genocide of, of uh, a Muslim scapegoat, you know, and these in the army is going in and, you know, they're saying nothing's going on, but clearly, you know, it's and even, oh my gosh, it, the, the eclipses line up so perfectly with that. And it's a horrible thing, but it really speaks to what you're saying that this is being projected out into uh, a group of people that have, you know, they just revoked their um, ability to find, you know, asylum or to move to India because, you know, if you're Muslim, forget about it, you know? And that's a perfect example of, mm-hmm. of what you're saying there, uh, even though it's incredibly unfortunate, but, you know, it reminds us, you know, look at your own, you know, look at your own shadow, anything that projecting that fear, that hatred, you know, there's always content there to be reflected back if you're aware enough to, you know, look basically. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And so because that lunar, so the, that's really the, takes us into the, um, that January 10th, 12th, 13th period. So we, we right away get this solar eclipse on the, which, you know, when people listen to this, that will already have happened. So they'll, you know, whoever you already have noticed, whatever it is that's changing, um, and it, it, there's a there just seems like a, there's just a really the the amount of planets in Capricorn is just really interesting. Um, it does make me think about the constellational image of the sea goat in that more like watery kind of flooding um, of like the and just because we're actually at this time of like you know big turning of the ages and sort of that old symbolism of like the flood and like the sea goat, you know, being in these like primordial waters, you know, bringing about this reordering kind of emerging. There's definitely that sort of really deep, you know, psychic part of Capricorn, um, deep changes happening. And then we right, you know, we go into the new year and it's that first week where things just really are going to hit in a dramatic fashion. Um, simultaneously at that lunar eclipse, you also have Uranus stationing direct on the exact same day on January 10th. So there's not only a lunar eclipse, but Uranus is stationing at like it's like half degrees. So like, what more can they put in there, Gray? Like, what yeah. more could they shove into that so day? Stationing it just really saturates the landscape. Like, and so yeah, just it just brings in that unexpected Uranian quality to what's already happening, which is, and then and the Mercury like, goes on to square Uranus, right? right. Like <laughs> on the, on the 18th there. So there it's, it's, you know, there, it's so heavily concentrated within that, you know, January, you know, really like eight through the 13th, 14th, but all the way through, you know, until that square to Uranus or until the end of 2020. No, just kidding. <laughs> but, you know, that's, there, there is a really, um, there's a Uranian force that is going on along with uh, all this uh, Saturn-Pluto. Um, and then... Yeah, that'll know, be coming in. The Ur- Saturn-Uranus starts coming in this year. But yeah, so then we get... We get Saturn-Pluto on January 12th, but then, you know, Mercury and the Sun and Ceres are all actually right there. And I do think it's important to include Ceres. Mm -hmm. Uh, I know some people think of Ceres as being an asteroid, but, you know, technically it's a dwarf planet at this point. And, um, 
the, the symbolism of Ceres being involved in this lineup, I think, is very powerful in terms of um, mothers, you know, Mother Earth, um, the environment, um, you know, our relationship with the environment, the, the, the myth of poetry of the Ceres story and just like her grieving and the sadness and, you know, the Mercury also being involved is just very evocative of that whole story. And, and um, part of that story to me is her having to come to terms with this loss. Mm-hmm. And after shutting down her productivity and her fertility, being sort of coaxed into returning with her productivity and like re-entering the world, you know, and, and that's what I feel like we're going to all be called to basically be doing. Um, despite whatever we're actually upset about that's going on in the world around us. Um, And then like the next day, then we get the sun conjoining all these plans, the sun conjunct Pluto, the sun conjunct Saturn, the sun conjunct Ceres all in a row. So they're, they're all coming together at the same time. So it's, it's just an incredibly potent seeding time of whatever this, this new thing coming in, and it's, and I think the thing to think about it is um, thinking about this in a much in a very like long term type of way. Um, you know, something that's going to take a while to form. A lot of these major alignments that we're talking about right now. Um, you know, the next really major shift is happening more like five or six you know years from now, like in the twenty twenty five twenty twenty six period. We're going to start getting a lot like the next kind of like big change is kind of happening. Um, so there's this kind of bigger, bigger long range kind of picture. I feel like to really start kind of shaping and, and intending what you want to, um, want to what do you want to be creating? With For this these energy. longer it's cycles. Such, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. And well, like I was saying earlier, you know, this is kind of the Saturn energy. We're looking at more long-term things, you know, this is a, this is a tortoise game, not a hare. <laughs> and so that's a great uh, way to look at it, Gray, because, you know, if we, if this isn't going to happen anytime soon again, you know, like use it for what it is to gain this momentum and gain this footing and this foundation uh, while re- releasing all this past stuff. And, you know, sometimes it's not, Sometimes, you know, depending on your chart, it's not even necessarily like the, you know, the, the hammer of the universe is going to come down and take something from you. It's, some things just run and die off naturally. And you know that you're at a turning point in your life. And then you have to step into your own power and your own control to then be able to navigate what's next. And depending on the type of person you are, you know, if you have a lot of fixed planets, maybe you're not getting hit as much right now. Uh, but still, you know, you're being called to move and you're finding it's difficult because you, you know, you're just locked into certain ways, even though you know that things are less fulfilling and now it's time to, you know, put your goals elsewhere. So that could be part of it as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I I just realized something, a point I didn't make um, that I meant to, when I brought up the shadow and Carl Jung that I can just speak to real quick. Um, Cause Jung actually, he has the same, he's actually the same Saturn Pluto that I am as far as the, um, the square or square. So he's a Saturn Pluto person, just not conjunction. He's a waning square Saturn Pluto person. But so he's very, Rick Tarnas talks about him a lot in cosmos and psyche for, if you haven't read that, um, 
part on Saturn Pluto. But if you think about what one of his major things was that he that you know living through bro- both world wars, mm-hmm. um, and even that when he would talk about the the idea of the age of Aquarius, um, I feel like the idea people have about the age of Aquarius is not at all what he was. It doesn't seem, doesn't tend to line up with what he was actually saying about that, which is sort of the same idea that I was already referring to, but, um, you know, now we're going into the age of Aquarius, we are having this Jupiter Saturn Aquarius conjunction. And his idea with that was the, um, importance of the individual claiming that responsibility that we're talking about, that there's these big massive collective changes happening. And a lot of people are going to be swept up, um, swept up in these, these cycles. Um, but there's just that that supreme importance of the individual being able to take responsibility for what they are able to do um, in the face of some mass uproar. You know, he lived through, for example, you know, just the First World War, but then like the Second World War with like the Nazis and all that type of, type of thing, right? And we're having that same type of thing happening right now with a lot of like white supremacist groups and mm-hmm. nationalists, like you're saying, like genocide and that type of thing is, it's, it's all happening. And, it's all out and, there, and, yeah. And it's going, Saturn-Pluto just goes with that. I mean, um, like the KKK was started at a Saturn-Pluto alignment. There's lots of examples going back. Oh, I didn't know that. Um, and so, um, yeah, I just wanted to make it that It is what it is, kind of. Yeah. There's yeah. a real in, in this Capricorn way of just taking responsibility um, yeah. to really, um, yeah. I love that, that you bring that up. Be, well, I have, I have, uh, preached that on this podcast more than once, like in, and that could be my series in Aries talking, you know, because mm-hmm. I like to, I like to nurture with the, you know, learn how to fish. No, not, people are going to catch your fish for you. And you have to take responsibility, not within just your own life, but everything you see around you. Like, you know, the other day I was on next door. If anybody's on next door app, I don't know if they have that where you are, but um, you know, it's a neighborhood app where you basically, you know, meet your neighbors online. It's like the Facebook for your neighborhood. And the people that post things on there, you know, sometimes it's very helpful, but then other times you're just like, where are we at with this? Well, one lady had posted this mannequin that she was like, that someone had dumped in front, like near her house. And she was like, this thing is so ugly. It's scaring me, blah, blah, blah. And just complained about it. And someone wrote, well, just throw it away. Like you're wasting your time. You're wasting everyone else's time. <laughs> you know, you're, you're getting riled up about nothing. Yeah, someone did that. But at the end of the day, if you just put it in your can and moved on with your life, and we just picked up that extra trap. You know, I'm just using that as an example, but it's the same sort of thing. It's just like, you have to take responsibility. And sometimes it's not even just for yourself. It's just if you notice something around you, because, you know, this earth is a group effort. It's not like some, you know, person that's not human comes in and tidies everything up and, you know, that someone has to do it. And why not it be you? <laughs> you know, if it's convenient and there's a trash can right there, then you're the person. And so that's, you know just a base example of that but yeah you know you get it <laughs> mm-hmm. rant over but uh, um yeah, yeah so the, you know so the, there's this yeah there's this real i think courage that's going to be needed during the time you know and so there is this again just real need not to be fearful and hiding away but you know being being out there and there's there certainly will be a need though to rest and kind of take care of yourself at times depending on what's going on but yeah 
I just think there's a real, um, yeah, a real need for that sort of quality dur- during this time. So like, that's really the, the, these eclipses and then that alignment getting set off in that those days, January 10th, January 12th, January 13th, we're just going to be kind of riding that for about a month. Like that's, I mean, there's other things happening, but that's clearly what the major part of the, the first quarter is all about. Um, and then I don't know if there's anything else about that you want to say right now. Then the next thing really isn't until like the next major change happens, like in the middle of February, at least to my view. With those, kind of like the there's a real like kind of oh, start this. there in January. That um, um, yeah. So it, because then in basically the middle of February we get um. Mercury starts slowing down. Yeah, because yeah. But on February 16th, Mercury ends up stationing retrograde, and the same day, Mars enters Capricorn. And you Um, know the party is going to get started when Mars enters Capricorn, because that's one of the things with eclipses, and it it doesn't always happen right away. It just depends on Mars's particular cycle. But mm -hmm. Mars will energize whatever you know eclipse point it's it's going to touch. So. Yeah, so, so that happens right then. Like Mars goes into Capricorn on the 16th. I think it's around the 23rd that looked to me like Mars gets to like the south node. But within that week, yeah, Mars would hit that eclipse degrees. So when, like what you're saying, like when Mars gets to like three or four degrees of Capricorn, that's going to set off that eclipse degree. And there's often some kind of major event that comes out. Mm-hmm. So it looks like uh, Mars is going to conjunct the South Node on February 25th. Okay. Um, so probably about five days before that, you know, really about, you know, February 20th, uh, give or take, it's going to be on that solar um, eclipse point there. I think I even, I think I already wrote this down, February 22nd. And it's right after, um, uh, what do I have? Right after a trine with Uranus. So basically, yeah. uh, you know, uh, Mars is going to trine Uranus, hit the, the eclipse degree, and then hit the south node, kind of in a wham. And then Mercury stationing during that time. Um, we have also the sun is squaring uh, Uranus at that same time that Mercury is trining in and about to hit these points. So there's a lot of Uranian action happening uh, really around, you know, February. Well, really, you know, Mercury's going to station on the 16th of February, and then we're going to get into this Uranian eclipse activation, Mars action. Uh, and so, you know, the latter half of that February is probably going to be pretty active. Yeah, so it's important to think about, again, like what we were talking about earlier, at that lunar eclipse January 10th, you know, right when we're getting the Saturn-Pluto conjunction, remember, Mercury is seated then like the the evening star phase of mercury is like seated right there at that solar conjunction just happens to be a lunar eclipse with saturn fluid at the same time just happens and that ends up leading <laughs> us to very interesting like your this whole mars enter in capricorn which sets everything off mercury's stations right then to go retrograde so because mercury is so linked into the saturn pluto series alignment that whatever we were whatever kind of come, starts coming out um, at that January time period, we get to the middle of February, you know, Mercury is stationing about five degrees or so away from Neptune. 
So it's not quite as intense as last year's Mercury retrograde that was like hitting Neptune directly, but still got a little bit of Neptune. Yeah, because this is Mercury and Pisces. I don't think we said that, but (laughs) Mercury and Pisces back. Mm -hmm. So then like that same time period you're talking about, like the 25th of February, that's the um, inferior or kind of tonic, like underworld type of Kazemi for Mercury. Um, So that's the part where, you know, Mercury gets reborn there. And then March 4th, it goes back into Aquarius. And then I think it's, it's around like March 9th um, that Mercury was finally stationed direct, like at 28 Aquarius. And there's actually a Virgo full moon the same day that's actually opposite Neptune. So it kind of brings... Neptune kind of back in, in in a weird way with Mercury stationing direct with, you know, how the retrograde starts with mm-hmm. Neptune sort of there. Um, so, and this whole time that we're talking about with this Mercury retrograde in Pisces, which is definitely going to be sort of like a breaking down and I guess sort of like the first breakdown, blackening, regenerating of whatever we, that Saturn-Pluto yeah. line kind of seeds for us. Um, Mars is just kind of steadily moving through Capricorn, you know, where we have Jupiter, Saturn, and Pluto. Um, and so that's, that's going to be kind of starting to build as we're going through this Mercury retrograde too. Um, and, and then, you know, when we get to the equinox, we'll, you know, it becomes much more like extreme, but Yes, it does. There's, yes, it, it absolutely does. Mars basically makes it to the point that has, you know, created all the action and really what, like you said, you know, Mercury is, you know, seeding back in this retrograde process because it had made that solar conjunction back around that particular time. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, there is basically, you know, Aquarius, Aquarius is it season just interesting in general, because obviously we have that Mercury retrograde and that highlighted hot spot uh, we were talking about, but there's actually a lot of flow to Aquarius season too. We actually have Mm. Um, you know, more sextiles going. Actually, we have several sextiles going on uh, between Venus and Jupiter, you know, Mercury, Mars, Venus and Pluto, Venus and Saturn, because Venus will be in Aries at that point. So there is a, there's an interesting flow, it seems, to February, which kind of gives us a little bit of movement. But like you said, there's still that, you know... there's it's probably the easiest part of the whole year. Is that, it, you know, that Aquarius, you, that Aquarius season you're talking about. You aren't wrong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you, yeah. you know, use it while you can for that Aquarius season uh, where you see fit. Um, but you know, once we get into that Pisces action, uh, you know, that's when. Um, okay, let me get to my my Pisces here. Uh, we're going to have. We're doing this late at night and my brain doesn't function as well <laughs> in the evening. So feel free if I start to bumble gray, you know, just bulldoze me over. Um, but yeah, so we have Mer- Mercury stationing direct, you know, March 9th on, around that time of the full moon that you were talking about, the Virgo yeah. full moon that is pretty much, uh, you know, it got the sun conjunct Neptune. Um, and what else we got going on here? Yeah, I mean... That's um, oh Venus conjunct Uranus on the same day. Uh, oh, is it? Yes, I think, I think so. Is that March 9th? 
do I have that? Do I have that right? Um, yeah, I, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, yes, it's didn't it's March. It very well, could be correct. Yeah, it's it's March ninth uh, or yes, yes, maybe the eighth actually. Okay. Um, yeah, March 8th. So March 8th, the sun is basically going to conjunct Neptune and Venus is going to conjunct Uranus on the same day. So, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and Venus will have squared Saturn on the third before that. So Venus is going through her own journey uh, as Mercury starting to station, you know, and, and she's, you know, ba- going to get to her own point where she goes to, through her own retrograde. But uh, in this particular... Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, she's going to square Saturn at these like tail end degrees of Capricorn, which is so interesting because if you pull back to like, you know, late 2018 and some of what we saw in early 2019, there was so much activity going on, you know, between, uh, uh, you know, as Uranus was leaving that part and uh, Mars was squaring in. So we've already had like collectively a lot of uh, energy, like from the last degrees of Capricorn and Aries, it seems. And so here we have Venus coming around to kind of light that space up again, move into Taurus, which she likes her spot in Taurus, but she's going to make that conjunction to uh, Uranus around, you know, March 8th. So just FYI, a little crazy in the relationship department, maybe, you know. (laughs) Interesting, I think, because I mean, you know, this so one thing too we should say is that all the Merc- all the Mercury retrogrades are once again in, a, in water signs this year. So mm-hmm. it's our second year um, of Mercury retrograde happening in water signs the with, a, with a couple of stations. Them have like a little bit of air, so like this one goes Pisces back to Aquarius. The one in the later will be all Cancer, but then the final one will be Scorpio back into Libra. Mm-hmm. So the Pisces and Scorpio ones both end up dipping back into the air sign, but they're predominantly happening in water signs. So that's one thing that we can see is that there's like, the, you know, Mercury definitely, you know, three times a year takes us through this sort of underworld regenerative breakdown process, um, which people complain about, but it tends to be very important and necessary. Yes. <laughs> Think about this, especially I was thinking in terms of like the Venus retrograde, Mars retrograde, which we know are going to be changing how we are like in relationship. Mercury is kind of taking care of that unconscious, watery, emotional type of, you know, that type of um, things coming up to the surface. That, And especially when we're talking about Pisces and Neptune being involved, you know, things that are maybe more difficult to speak about normally. Um, and at the end of Mercury retrograde, when Mercury stations direct, you know, and starts moving forward, that's always when it's time to really, you know, integrate and whatever this new presence was that we crafted out of that process and try to bring it into our lives, which tends to be kind of a volatile time. So it's really interesting what you're saying that at that exact moment, we get Venus conjoining Uranus, which just kind of amps that up mm-hmm. as well as the, um, Full moon opposite Neptune. Yeah. So that's, and that, and this is like all happening. It's important to remember this is happening about 10 days before the equinox. And so at this point, Mars is getting closer to that Jupiter Pluto lineup. Mm -hmm. Um, When we, when we, when we finally get to the equinox and transition from, you know, this part of the year to the spring in the Northern hemisphere, the fall in the Southern hemisphere. 
um, that Aries equinox is very, it's a very dynamic chart. It's, it's Mars right applying right on top of Jupiter Pluto with like Saturn at like the final degree of Capricorn. Mm. Um, so I don't know do you, if you want to move into that. Like, well, I do. Or do you have anything else about the first well, section of the year I, today? I just do. I want to say real quick in relation to what you were saying about the Mercury retrogrades, um, and especially the fact that two of them are basically, di- you know, they're spending the majority of their time in this water energy, but they're dipping mm-hmm. their toes in the air at the end. Yeah, they're dipping their toes in the air at the you end. You know, and to me, that was kind of taking like the process because, you know, a lot of these Mercury retrogrades, especially this year, were very might have been challenging for people because, you know, we're retrograding in this, you know, emotional area, you know, this more spiritual, this more, you know, an intuitive one at that. And so I'm wondering if these, if at least those particular bookending uh, Mercury retrogrades will allow us to kind of move from that intuition and maybe that emotional, you know, more subjective space into this kind of knowing and this reason where you're not, we're like, okay, well, we've moved past the, the water portion of it, which is very subjective. And now we can get to the objective uh, position because uh, that's another thing about this year. Once we, you know, Mercury's kind of starting to switch its, uh, you know, cycle a little bit. And so we're going to see those superior conjunctions switch from earth to fire too. So it's interesting to, you know, to watch Mercury in, in its own journey throughout this year and how it's kind of, you know, um, it's doing its own switches that I think will, you know, add to everything that's going on. But that's, that's what I was going to say. Yeah. That's an, I think that you're, it's interesting. I, I do think, yeah, the retrograde in the water science definitely stirs up this really deep emotional and conscious type of content. But yeah, the fact that it ends up in the air sign probably will help in terms of, um, being able to articulate, mm-hmm in a way, like, get a better sense of, you know, what did I just go through and what can I take from this? Yeah, the detachment that's necessary mm-hmm. after you've been immersed for so long. You know, you got to get out of your own, you know, you got to step back and see it for what it is. And so I kind of look at that as like a little bit of a blessing um, uh, as far as those cycles are concerned. But yeah, let's get into that Aries ingress. Let's get... <laughs> How, you know, Jupiter and uh, Mars... Exactly. I mean, just exactly. And applying at that, you know, Mars hasn't yeah. like, you know, it's applying. Uh, and then of course, Pluto is right there in the mix. Yeah, Saturn. Is, there, yeah. is it like the same degree as Jupiter? I don't have it in front of me. I think it's really close to Jupiter. It's, uh, Mars is 2235 and Jupiter is 2246. That's how yeah. close we yeah, are yeah. here. <laughs> um yeah. So there, you know, so like we said, that that fixed uh, energy within this ingress chart, you know, that's an applying Mars. That is an active Mars. It, it's got, you know, there it, it would be doing something either way. But, it, you know, to me, that just adds just a little more like push to this, uh, you know, Mars, Jupiter, but Jupiter and Pluto too, because, you know, that's the thing is like, so here we have the Aries ingress, which will be March 19th. Um, and then, you know, right after that, we basically have uh, Saturn moving into Aquarius. Um, you know, we finally get out of that Mercury shadow, but we start to get into Venuses. Uh, and then, you know, the, and then we have Jupiter actually conjuncting Pluto. So, you know, Gray, oh, Gray what do you see about that? Char- you know, what comes to mind when you look at that? <laughs> yeah, well, some things we haven't talked about, um, we we're just talking about Mars and Capricorn is just 
the strength of Mars in Capricorn. Yeah. Mars is um, Mars is exalted in Capricorn, and um, Saturn is technically still in Capricorn in that chart. Although one of the major things about this section of the year is that Saturn goes into Aquarius like mm-hmm. the very next day. So this section of the year is really actually about Saturn going into Aquarius, but it's also very much about Jupiter Pluto and the first Jupiter-Pluto conjunction. And so at the equinox, we're getting that Jupiter-Pluto conjunction really stirred up by um, Mars and its exaltation. And it's very interesting. It's aligning with Jupiter because Jupiter is in its fall in Capricorn. Mm -hmm. Um, And so all of the exaltations and falls are based on polarities of these planets that in some ways have these opposing types of um, meaning. And so, um, you know, with Mars and Jupiter, one of the classic old textual reasons for that is, um, you know, Mars being associated with death versus Jupiter being associated with like life and um, fertility and that sort of thing. And, you know, Jupiter being exalted in cancer, this place of increasing of life you know, the summer solstice and Capricorn um, being associated with the winter solstice and that sort of like dark, you know, death, um, ancestor realm type of, you know, quality home of the earthy and like inner dark nocturnal home of Saturn. Um, And so Mars is really strong here um, and exalted, which is sort of, meaning that Mars has this sort of peak capacity. Um, You know, Mars and Capricorn is very grounded in a way, um, very strategic. Um, And then, you know, part of that scheme, though, also is sort of like, interesting about exaltations falls, are there not the type of like stable strength that like a plant in its domicile has? So a planet in exaltation can um, fall from a great height. And um, you can say a planet in fall can, has already fallen. Um, <laughs> and definitely planets in fall sort of have something in them where that's, you know, can kind of like bring about the person's downfall. Um, but planets in fall can actually, um, it's not like they're just weak or anything like that. And they, they can, there's things that they can do. Um, and so, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn, to me, one of the things that kind of brings it about its downfall would be the sort of um, over uh, material type of um, ambition, um, kind of running away with the sort of um, negative side of Capricorn, which um, in some ways I don't think it's accurate. I think there's a lot more to Capricorn than just like these material, climbing the mountain, striving, you know, chief executive type of personality that's, you know, only doesn't even apply to a lot of Capricorns. And, (laughs) you know, there's a much greater depth to Capricorn, but there is a side of that there where Jupiter and Capricorn can be like that. Um, And so, um, but uh, the strength to me of Jupiter and Capricorn is um, like in that Webinar I did, you, you mentioned, uh, one thing I talked about in that is um, talking, I was using pan 
as a way to sort of approach some of the meaning I think you can find with it. Um, and just in the way of Jupiter and Capricorn can, you know, it, it brings us down into the material realm. You know, the, the um, plants on fall are like they're, they fall into a depression in the ground in a way. And, and Jupiter and Capricorn is, you know, it's Jupiter coming down into this dense, dense earth. Um, but, you know, Jupiter and Capricorn can actually really manifest results and build things and build things very steadily. Um, and so in combination there, that can activate at the equinox. It's, it's very much about, you know, we have like this plan exaltation of plan and fall, you know, combining with Pluto all at the same time. And, and I am sure that, you know, this year when you think about the idea of like plutocrats and like these major corporations and this sort of billionaire culture that we associate, that's a very Jupiter Pluto type of thing. Yeah. Um, and there's going to be a lot of that going on um, and, and people making really big power grabs, um, other big things falling apart and having these big falls. Um, but I think just on a personal level, when we put those two things to, all together, Mars, Jupiter, Pluto, all together, and Capricorn right there, um, it to me really kind of takes you to the heart of what, what do you really truly want to create? And that there's, a, there's actually a lot of, there's incredible power with those combinations to actually mm-hmm. figure out, you know, what can you work with, with what's in your life, what's available to you to work on and work with and, and do it. Yeah. And well, and, and I, the billionaire, there's a couple things I wanted to bring up real quick with just the, that signature and maybe what we'll see with, um, you know, as these planetary alignments, you know, come together and we might get an influx, especially in the, you know, the world sphere of this influence um, on a very archetypal type of scale. And so a couple things, I like that you brought up the whole billionaire uh, thing, because I know that is very much in our consciousness right now. But I had a friend who posted something um, a couple days ago, and I wanted to read it because I thought it was kind of brilliant in many ways. She said, because I, you know, I think that a lot of people don't have any concept of how big a billion is, you know, when we talk about billionaires. And she said, she's like, she's like, think how nice it would be to make $5,000 a day. You work hard. You deserve it. You really do. Now think how nice it would be to have 5,000 for every day of your life. Now imagine you have 5,000 every day since 1492. You still don't have a billion dollars, you fucking peasant. (laughs) That's the reality of it. You know, when we're talking about billionaires, you know, that... Imagine what you could do for $5,000 a day. Like I would be living like my, my best life, you know, and, and that's something to keep in mind, you know, especially like to pull back to what, you know, I always have an activist message to some extent, but to pull back to what you were saying with taking responsibility. And I think I'm hoping that, uh, you know, part of the, this year in general, as we come to these big, uh, you know, moments in time and we see how it's affecting us in the world, that we will make the right decision uh, with our money, basically, uh, and where we're giving it so that we can pull some of this power back away with our, you know, everyday uh, usage. Um, Because I think that's going to be, this is going to play even more. Money is going to be very prominent this year. Um, in, you know, how much you have, if you're feeling like you're lacking it, you know, et cetera. Um, but also to play into that Capricorn uh, thing as well, you know, I don't know if you've heard people talking about the silver tsunami. Have you heard about that? 
Okay. Well, the silver tsunami is basically what they have been predicting for decades now of uh, the baby boomers uh, basically all retiring around the same time and tax it and getting in on that social security, basically. And so there's going to be this crazy influx of people that are going to be needing, you know, uh, the, this, these government resources. Um, and I mean, my mom just retired this past year herself. And so, and she was waiting for, you know, that check. And I think that these are going to be some of the realities that come out just in our own, you know, kind of like on, at least the national sphere here in, in America, like that might be some of the things at play. So just some things I wanted to get off before I forget, <laughs> forgot those. Yeah. And I, I was realizing something I, I didn't think clearly connect with what I was trying to say with Jupiter and Capricorn. Um, so what, what I was trying to say was also, you know, so instead of just being this kind of overly materialistic um, version of you know jupiter just like in this earth sign um you know we're going to be seeing that among some people sure um and and but remembering you know we're coming to the end of this much larger um earth cycle and so Mm -hmm. we're definitely also dealing with all the um kind of toxic residue um like the ghosts of all of the all of this everything that has come out of this this the ghosts Of all our decisions to some extent. Well, because to play on that real quick, another thing that was uh, coming into this uh, with the, um, I was watching uh, uh, Hassan Minaj, you know, like the, I forget his Patriot Act. That's what it is on Netflix. Mm -hmm. Uh, And he, well, he was talking about that silver tsunami, but part of that um, is actually because around in the early eighties, when we had the last Saturn Pluto conjunction in Libra, basically they started to get rid of pensions and they brought forward this 401k, which is taking a risk in the political, you know, in the market for people's retirements. And so almost no one has a pension these days, which is a sure thing that people could retire on. And now everybody's in this 401k zone, if you could afford it or you're paying into it to begin with. And so there are just a lot of retirement issues going on, not only for the people that are retiring, but people that are, you know, our age or people in their 20s, even, you know, what's that going to look like? Uh, because that's going to be a, con- a concern that we need to set up moving forward so we don't, you know, collapse as a society in many ways, because there's just so many people that are, uh, you know, of elderly age. Right. So the way to work with this with Jupiter and Capricorn, I feel like, is the kind of like these things you're talking about, you know, is, is really using that ability of, you know, Jupiter being kind of brought down in Capricorn to really kind of figure out, you know, like you're saying, take responsibility, um, the way we're relationally relating to everything, you know, all beings in our environment and, you know, what really needs our attention, where, how, how can we, that, how can we kind of figure, we're not going to figure it all out this year, but no. <laughs> Jupiter and Capricorn's going to kind of take us down into these difficult, like know, the tower you were saying. Things. Yeah. And just, uh, yeah, kind of, kind of make us face whatever these things are. Which yeah, that that's one one of yeah. You're definitely speaking to one of the that's definitely one of the bigger like systematic types of breakdown conflicts that's on the horizon. 
Yeah. Well, uh, that's, yeah. we're going to see a lot of systematic breakdown because that's a, a kind of a thing with, you know, Capricorn as well as, you know, the systems that we're placing <laughs> that we have created and that we're all living by. Um, and that might be part of the towers. Like, you know, like, so the things I'm talking about here are like, it, it's not new news. It's just, it's going to manifest at a certain time. And when it manifests, then we know that we are now here and then we have to rearrange and, and use accordingly. So, um, I, you know, I think for a lot of people that time might be uh, great for, you know, own personal endeavors and starting, you know, you know, businesses for, for yourself or, you know, reworking that we'll have that spring energy behind us. You know, it's going to have just a little extra like oomph to it because we're out of the winter zone, uh, first and foremost. (laughs) Yeah. So this, the Aries equinox up until the cancer solstice. So the second quarter of the year, it's, it's one of the most, it's a really interesting one to me. Um, I think there's just, there's really interesting kind of breakout type of um, creative potential with it. There's certainly a lot of difficulty with it. So I'm not, um, you know, there's, there's a Mars Saturn thing that's going on this whole time. So the the actual equinox is very much like Mars, Jupiter, Pluto all happening. You know, Mars conjoins Jupiter like the same day. And then the very next day, Saturn enters Aquarius which is this really major change. And then about nine days or so later, around March 30th, Mars follows Saturn um, into Aquarius. So I think by March 31st, Mars finally catches up with Saturn um, in Aquarius. So there's also this like Mars-Saturn quality to it. But that... um, Entrance of Saturn into Aquarius is just—it's very dramatic. It, it changes um, a lot of what's happening with people. You know, the, you know everybody with the Saturn in Aquarius is going to start feeling their mm-hmm. Saturn returns. All the Saturn and Capricorn people—you um, know—it's not like everything just like goes away. But there is a little bit of a the Saturn return quality is a little bit less. You're intent, although they're obviously dealing with everything that's already been going on. But the um, and this this same quarter, you know, what we're we're heading towards in April, uh, eventually in May, is Venus going retrograde in Gemini. So it's got this really interesting quality of like Saturn and Aquarius that uh, right away starts applying towards a square with Uranus. Mm-hmm. Um. In the Venus retrograde in Gemini, which those things all together, there's definitely a lot of difficulty. Um, that's not like easy or anything, but there's a real um, kind of breakout type of. I mean, I'll be really interested to see what people do um, artistically during this time. Like, if you're like in a band, or if you're like doing art, or like you're writing something. Like, it's 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 very it's. Ex- as we, you know, as we talk about, it, hopefully you'll kind of pick up on it instead of just being scared about kind of. There's another side where it's just like it's really kind of break out because like Saturn into Aquarius, you know, we're moving into Saturn's air sign. You know, it's fixed, so it's got this very like, um, you know, f- fixed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like steady. That's it sounds. It's a it's a air sign, so it, it's got this more kind of out there. Um, looking forward um, perspective and especially with Aquarius there's that side of it that's 
you know, open to the unknown. Mm. Um, and especially when we're talking about starting to square Uranus, yeah. um, there's some difficult things about that, but that type of thing can also kind of really, the square from Uranus can really kind of shatter and break up the, whatever parts of Saturn have been, um, to crystallize, they're kind of like locked in on, on a certain viewpoint and kind of open it up. Um, yeah, well, especially like you're saying, Mars Aquarius. Yeah. at the same time, it makes it more challenging because it's like Mars squaring Uranus conjoining Saturn, but yeah. Well, and it's so interesting because we know that Mars is coming around basically to light things up at the, mm-hmm. you know, Aries ingress there um, and then go on to, you know, as we said, conjunct Jupiter and Pluto, you know, just right after that, basically on, on the 22nd. Um, and, you know, and keep in mind that is an opposition point for our uh, lunar eclipse that we had at that point too. Um, but it's interesting to see that Mars comes around and, you know, does this Pluto conjunction, this Jupiter conjunction, and then, you know, less than 10 days later goes to start its Mars cycle in a in basically on the degree that we're going to have the Jupiter Saturn conjunction later in the year. So I think mm-hmm. there's going to be a lot of foreshadowing and that might, that foreshadowing might actually be part of like the breaking of, you know, the breaking that you were just talking about with that Uranian influence because it's, you know, that Mars-Saturn cycle, which takes a good, you know, the last time Mars and Saturn conjunct in the sky, you know, I started this podcast and it's been going long, you know, this is a longer, you know, cycle as far as, you know, faster moving. Was that Mars, Saturn, and Capricorn? Yep. You started the podcast then. That is exactly when I started the podcast. Well, I'll share some of my stuff. So when there was a, uh, I actually started my blog, what became greatcrawford.net, at a Mars-Saturn conjunction also, but it was in Libra. Oh. Um, yeah, and actually even it was... On one of the charts, I, I was trying to go back later to figure out if I had a chart. I don't know if it's Toyaka, because it was when WordPress sent me back something. And it's pretty much on the Ascendant, even. <laughs> um, it's actually a good chart. Mine's on the Descendant. <laughs> okay. But yeah, yeah. Mar, that's interesting because they're both... I mean, my, mine's... At least it's an exalted Saturn with Mars, but you have like the double Mars exalted with Saturn and Capricorn, so that's that's good. But one thing I noticed with mine was um, I don't know if you can something I've wondered about when you start something during a Mars Saturn conjunction mm-hmm. is that I didn't have anybody reading my blog at all at at, at first. I remember even at the beginning trying to like send it to people just to be like, hey, will you like read this? Um, and I kind of even at the beginning, like I started working on it, but I had some things where I just couldn't really focus on it. And it took me a little bit to like get more consistent with it. But then I, I really actually was then very consistent and just very like endearing and actually ended up putting a lot of my effort and time into it without getting any, you know, necessarily like reward for it in a big way. But it very slowly kind of like, generated more and more people reading it and bringing people in to get consultations from me and basically ended up being a way for me to get myself into the astrological community. And there's a, there's a sort of like uh, tenacious, determined, persistent, I think resilient quality about it. Um, All those things. Yeah. Kind of took, like, and that's, you know, like you seem like you're, really determined with her podcast and kind of just kind of keep 
putting up, putting stuff out consistently and well, I do have a Mars Saturn square in my chart. So yeah. there, there's already that relationship going on, you know, much like you were talking about earlier with your own, you know, Saturn Pluto. There's something to be said about uh, if you have those planets talking, you know, you might interact with a chart that's set up around those, you know, planets talking a little bit different. And yeah, so it's so. I mean, I'm at the end of a cycle for my own starting, you know, like uh, reconfiguring things and I'm going to be reconfiguring this podcast along with it. Um, But, you know, and so I think that this, I think when Mars meets Saturn, there's, that's going just going to be a very dynamic time of the year just because, you know, this, this is a whole new, you know, foundation of like where you're putting your energy towards for the next, what, two, two and a half plus, give or take years, I, you know, have to yeah, come back to me great. on that. <laughs> I'm, I'm great. I'm really glad to hear you use that. Cause we both have that example because, you know, people get really psyched about Venus, Jupiter, and, and we're going to do this at Venus, Jupiter conjunction. And you don't always hear people say that Mars, Saturn, like, yeah, like start this. But I mean, we both have started these major, you know, our two major, we each did that. The, you know, these are long. I didn't, really, I didn't actually elect Start you didn't the opt for that. It, it just happened. <laughs> I was actually thinking more at the time. It was, it was right after Mercury had stationed direct in Leo, and I knew that was going on, and I just had wanted to start it. And I wasn't really, I wasn't, the Mars Saturn conjunction wasn't really on my mind when I was, it was a little bit more the Mercury cycle I was tuned into. Like, oh, I should start it right now. I wasn't thinking about that. I was, that was going to be the chart. You, did you, but, you said um, you started it right after the Mercury station? Is that what you said? Yeah, it was. It was, it was not long after Mercury. Because um, I been direct in uh, Leo. I started this but, like uh, one or two days after Mercury went direct in Aries. Okay. Yeah. Well, so I, I feel like we're on the same schedule with our our launchings yeah. here. But no, that's that's a great. You know, it's good to remember that because you think launch it on a Venus Jupiter. Well, you know. That could be fun for a little bit, you know, like what kind of longevity does it have? Because when you are creating something for, I mean, essentially we both created something that was, uh, it's a business to, you know, that was the end goal is to create business in in some way or have business to do. Uh, And, you know, Mars and Saturn just fit right into that. Like that's, that's the thing, you know? And so it, it gets that drive. It gets that commitment. It gets that longevity. Uh, now, and granted it's going to be a longer road, but, it's, but hopefully it'll have better achievements because it's built to last. It's not like, you know, um, a flash in the pan type of thing, or it will get, lose its luster or, you know, you don't desire it anymore, you know, with kind of the, all the, I mean, I, I put right. some Venus yeah. in there too, but you know what? You know where I'm going with this. But you know, March 31st—that's yeah. when Mars and Saturn meet in the skies. You know, five days before uh, we have Jupiter conjunct Pluto officially, yeah, um, so and then mm-hmm. and then a Sun square to Pluto as well. Uh, about a week after that, so yeah. So from that. Um yeah, that's kind of that, that end of March is, is very loaded there. And then the other thing that happens right at the beginning of April besides um, yeah, Jupiter conjunct Pluto and Mars squaring Uranus is that Venus enters Gemini mm-hmm. like right or, like at April 3rd. 3rd yeah. And what's interesting is Venus is out of bounds at this time. And Venus is actually going to also be out of bounds when she later stations retrograde squaring Neptune. 
So we're we're getting this this really wild Venus Gemini. He was um, when a planet is out of bounds. There's a um, definition I've heard Tony Howard give that other people have probably heard, but if in case you haven't, he has talked about Venus um, out of bounds, sort of just being inherently free, which I really like. So in contrast to Uranus, maybe like reacting against something. Like Venus out of bounds just kind of does whatever she, she wants. She pleases. Like, she's not even rebelling. She's just like, I'm free. I'm just going to. And so we we have this very, we're, we're going to end up having, yeah, Venus out of bounds. April, you know, she's just kind of moving through Gemini out of bounds. Um, but that's going to come into play later, you know, with the retrograde. Um, but yeah, the the really big thing, like you mentioned, is the first Jupiter conjunction on April 4th. And again, that's a um, very powerful combination. You just have to sort of imagine in your mind what's it like, you know, Jupiter and Pluto sort of merging together, like their qualities. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, um, I like the idea to, instead of just being that sort of like overly greedy or ambitious um kind of attuning to the environment, being very like relational and working with the sort of natural creation around you. I think that there is a lot of creativity and potency to that union right there. And it's happening, like you said, the exact same time that Mars is squaring Uranus. Um, so there's a real, at the beginning of April, again, it's just like, it's, just, it's a very dynamic quality to it. Um, yeah, it's so interesting, Gray, because it's like really. I know we can like peek, uh, you know, pick apart April, but it's it's kind of like starting on March twenty fourth. You know, once we have the solstice and we have that new moon in Aries, and the new moon um, is basically you know at the bending of the nodes. Uh, you know, as we're moving, you know, because whenever we're at that kind of halfway point between the eclipses, you know. That <laughs> you know things are going to get activated, and so that new moon there is really just setting up a whole lunar cycle of all this activity. So basically, from March twenty fourth, um, you know, all the way through, you know, really, uh, sorry, yeah, so April fifteenth, you know, past the full moon, and we finally get to that Sun square Jupiter moment that the Sun can then light up a lot of this, you know, the Jupiter, the Pluto, it'll already have squared that. So really, you know, March 24th through the middle of April is just a hotbed of Mm. stuff, you know, Mm. and (laughs) all types of stuff. You name it, Venus is doing things, Mars, Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto, it's all, it's all happening. Um, So it's going to be, like you said, a pretty, like, you know, the, the, the race's gun will go off, you know, ready, set, fire, we're, you know, ready to go in many ways. Yeah, Totally. But yeah, then um, let's see. End of April, we get the first of the, all the. There's a whole series of these that happen, but we get Pluto stationing retrograde. Um, and all the retrogrades and Taurus with Uranus <laughs> and Taurus. Um, but then the really big next thing that I see, at least, is in May. So then, right at the beginning of May, we get Venus and Gemini squaring Neptune and Pisces. Mm-hmm. Venus is going to end up stationing retrograde about nine days later on May 12th, maybe May 13th in some other time zones. So right, as Jupiter point, is stationing too. 
Yeah, they're all, st- yeah, they're, they actually all station. So Pluto stations at the end of April and then like May 10th, Saturn stations, May 12th, Venus mm-hmm. stations retrograde and May 14th, Jupiter stations retrograde. Oh, yes. Mark so that on your calendar. They all, they all just, so it's like this, yeah, very dramatic Saturn, Venus, Jupiter all in a row. Um, but the Venus stationing is, I think, the most dramatic of, of all of those. Um, and so there's this really, but does the Saturn one is too, I would, they, I mean, they all, they all are, but you know, the Saturn one, I guess what Saturn gets up to almost two degrees. So that's about as close to, I don't know what Uranus is at then, but it's maybe like what, like, uh, Uranus at that point is at six, six. Yeah. So it's about four degrees away from Uranus. Um, but you know, that's close enough. That is definitely close. Like that's kind of that's getting kind of activated there. So actually, yeah, let me speak to that for a moment before we go into the the Venus, because that will kind of dominate what we talk about. Um, The thing about the Saturn Uranus square, I think that's really interesting, is that that's going to ultimately be um, the major one of the major things that we're talking about as we end 2020 going into 2021, mm-hmm. we get the Jupiter-Saturn and Aquarius squaring Uranus, and then the Saturn-Uranus square is going to be uh, playing out. In uh, Rick Tarnas's book, again, Cosmos and Psyche, um, one thing he talks about in there, which I think is really interesting, is when we transition from these time periods of Pluto-Uranus into Saturn-Uranus, um, and just how dramatic that can be. You know, in this case, we're going Pluto Uranus into Saturn Pluto Jupiter, <laughs> Saturn Jupiter. But Saturn, we're we're kind of the game's all here. More going on, but it's still kind of a Pluto Uranus to Saturn Uranus. And he um, wrote about this being this exacerbating tension between authority and rebellion, between mm. order and freedom like this repressive revolution in terms of like a revolution of like oppressive people. Um, And he actually used the term erratically unpredictable authority, Mm. um, which is just really eerie in terms of how accurate that is about like in our country. So for, so for example, like a past example, like when the revolution in France just turned into like this terror, Mm -hmm. like that was one of these times of like Pluto Uranus going to Saturn Uranus. Another time would be in the United States, um, Pluto Uranus, like the emancipation movement and um, ending slavery, like Frederick Douglass. And then when we go into Saturn Uranus, that's like the civil war. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking though, in that example though, Uranus was in the 10th place from Saturn. And so Uranus was kind of in the more superior side of it whereas this time around saturn's in the 10th place from uranus and so um i think right i think i did that right in my head so i think uh saturn is yes in the more superior mm-hmm. side. So even though you know i don't know about there being a civil war <laughs> anything like that happening in our country again but there you can see like these kind of polarized conflicts and this this is something where it's like we're just going to be getting a taste of it. It's obviously going to be during the, the U.S. presidential election heating up, and it's all going to be, you know, kind of part of that. But what's 
right as this is that kind of thing is we're getting this kind of foreshadowing of it. We then get Venus stationing retrograde, you know, squaring Neptune. Mm-hmm. So that can be an element that in like the political arena, that's like total to me, just like delusion and not knowing what's real, just like this very illusionary things. Um, in our personal lives, that could also be illusionary experiences or disillusionment. Um, well, yeah, or, especially or realizing in- things or having, but I also see that the, this is the other thing I think there's always so many different sides of these things. That is actually incredibly creatively powerful. Yeah. Um, Venus out of bounds squaring Neptune. I mean, it's to do some kind of radical art type of thing. You know what I mean? Like there's, it's incredibly imaginative and potent. If, if you can be in a place uh, to work with that. Well, and that's I, I mean, the, there, 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 there's a side of that to it also. Yeah. Well, and there could be like a symbiotic relationship in the sense, you know, because we get the best art when the world is the craziest, mm-hmm. you know, because it just inspires people or they feel more, you know, they, they have this cause or they have this vision or, you know, you just, it, you know, creation comes through a lot of times just the heart, you know, the hard stuff. So I think that will be definitely a, a potent time uh, within those, that square to Neptune. And I mean, Venus is going to be doing her, she's going to be doing her own dance in that area, of course. So it won't be the only time there. But especially, you know, at that time that uh, she squares Neptune, you know, we also have the sun uh, making a conjunction to, or Mercury making that sun conjunction too. So there is that happening, you know, simultaneously. Uh, for for the most part, um, and then Mercury goes on to sextile Neptune uh, himself. Uh, so there's kind of this this Venus Neptune Sun Mercury like kind of just a little dance that's going on between you know the the first part of May through you know the first week of May basically. Mm-hmm. Um, oh yeah, you're right. There's the right when uh yeah beginning of May when Venus is a uh, squaring Neptune. There's the superior conjunction of Mercury right there at the same time. And that's also basically when the lunar, at least a true node of lunar nodes switch, actually. I have it as May 5th that the true node calculation goes into Gemini. Mm-hmm. I think that's right. I don't have it so up that's right. That's all kind of happening right then. Actually, then towards the end of the month, after Venus stations retrograde on May 22nd, there's actually a new moon in Gemini with... Um, Mercury and Gemini at that point is conjunct Venus retrograde, and they're basically squaring Neptune. Yeah. Party. <laughs> so there's a lot of emphasis there on this. Um, yeah, like last year we had the Jupiter and Sagittarius square Neptune, which was very pivotal, um, being the Jupiter Neptune cycle. But we got that Sagittarius square to the Pisces, and this year it's that Gemini side is really emphasized of squaring Neptune. Um, again, I think, you know, when, when Venus goes retrograde, there's a, there's so many things, um, to say about that. Um, you know, there, there's often social unrest, you know, it's, it's Venus being willing to, um, no longer, um, just try to do what's pleasing to other people. And it's more Venus, um, willing to do, um, what's, you know, um, assert a, a voice in a way that can be disruptive or, um, 
you know, um, I'm sure there'll be a lot of social unrest and activism and protests um, going yeah. on during this time period. And with Neptune involved, it's, it's almost like this over-idealism. Well, when we, like, saw, when we saw Venus Station last time, um, you know, that was like the first day of the Kavanaugh trial. Mm-hmm. Uh, when, uh, you know, uh, Blasey Ford was on the, the, the stand and, you know, the women were starting to rise at that time. We had a, like a political ingress of, you know, women co- come in. And so there is that, the, 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 you know, the feminine journey that is wrapped up within Venus's uh, retrograde as well, you know, and, and her even being rebirthed, you know, in the, uh, like a Mesoamerican, you know, myths of kind of going from the, the, uh, female to the warrior at that point and kind of doing this almost her own kind of shape-shifting, gender-bending mm-hmm. type of, you know, dance through it too, as she's, fi- you know, fired, through, goes through the fires of the sun there. So, um, so yeah. yeah definitely I, a personal level. Yeah, that definitely kind of burning off and stripping away type of thing ends up happening. And so there's a, with this Venus and Gemini you know, st- starting all off with this square to Neptune, um, it just seems there's something, you know, in one way we could say, yeah, it's very imaginal and creative, but it's also probably going to be a lot about stripping away, like, illusions we have mm-hmm. um, or certain beliefs we have about either certain relationships or just what we're doing with our life or, you know, do we really want this that we're working on? Do we want something different? Yeah, um, that's kind of as we go across. But at, at that time, it's it's going to be kind of it's pretty pretty volatile. And uh, what's really wild to me though is, is again, you know, Mars once again just you know coming right on the center stage. At, you know, at every single point, it seems like Mars just keeps coming in, playing this really major role. So when we get into June. Right at the very beginning, um, June 2nd, Mars is in Pisces and it squares Venus retrograde. And the very next day, um, June 3rd, that's the Venus inferior or like tonic, like kind of underworld, um, Venus retrograde conjunct the sun. When Venus Mm -hmm. is in the heart of the sun and being regenerated. And so that's generally a time where we start getting more clarity and um, more, that's like that what you're talking about there, but the things burning off, mm-hmm. it's, it's, it's very much volatilized and amplified and heated up because Mars, Mars is right like squaring it. Yeah. And then there's a lunar eclipse like two days later. <laughs> and then boom, then we're at a lunar eclipse. And like that's, that's not the most powerful lunar eclipse. It's still a lunar eclipse though. So it's not just an ordinary full moon. It's a very wide, it's like a penumbral lunar eclipse. It's still, technically in range of being a lunar eclipse. So it's not a normal full moon. It's not like total lunar eclipse or a particularly powerful lunar eclipse, but it, it really is in the context of it happening with all those things. You know, it's, it's basically squaring Mars and Pisces. The lunar eclipse is squaring Mars and um, it's not that far from squaring Neptune, mm-hmm. you know, well, and it's, it's not that far from, um, um, I'm sorry, it's a lunar eclipse in Sagittarius, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's an angle to uh, Venus retrograde also. So 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's up in there. She's basically went through her sun journey. Uh, you know, she squared Mars. And okay, so I, so in Bernadette Brady's uh, predictive astrology book, because she has things with the you know the, her little write ups on the Saros cycles that go along with eclipses. So I think you'll find her uh, her words interesting for this particular lunar eclipse given Venus's, uh, you know, interaction here. And so she said, uh, strong emotional feelings concerning relationships and or money, fadedness in relationship events, emotions blocked and checked, which bring frustration. And she advises to avoid rash action, which, you know, we think of Mars squaring the placement, you know, (laughs) um, from, or at least, uh, Venus from that placement, um, and, and and it's interesting at that point, Mars uh, is essentially, in, you know, is approaching its own conjunction with Neptune. It's in kind of that Mercury retrograde space where Mercury's already kind of retrograded over that zone uh, earlier um, when we were talking about that. So there's, yeah, so basically that first, you know, the first week of June, uh, as we get to that lunar eclipse in Sagittarius, you know, there's a lot going on with that Venus retrograde story. And of course, the eclipse eclipses so yeah um yeah that's a good point too just a you know the not doing rash actions i think that's a really good point in terms of relationships um in may and june yeah as it may as look like different at that, that <laughs> beginning with like the whole you know venus out of bounds and stationing squaring neptune you know there there could be people really not thinking something's going you know not seeing things clearly. Yeah. Um, and, it's in mm-hmm. terms of what's, so that's definitely going to be something to keep in mind during that time. Yeah. Cause the sun squares Mars, uh, you know, squaring Neptune, Mars is conjunct Neptune around that time or getting to that, you know, that is waxing. So it's, it's gaining its influence. And then, you know, Venus is caught up in there doing her own rebirth uh, while contacting this uh, energy. So, um, you know, yeah, just so you know, in that cycle, in that eclipse, you might want to just wait until the fog clears and you've been rebirthed, you know, your Venus has been rebirthed into this, you know, the sun and you start to get that distance and, and maybe come back uh, to, to some senses or, you know, uh, and, and things will just, yeah, the haze will basically bear, uh, you know, burn off at that time. So, um, well, then that brings us, do, do we get to the cancer solstice? Well, there's one more major thing that happens um, is that right before the cancer. Oh, Mercury. Yeah, we got Mercury stationing again. So just always uh, stationing. Yeah. (laughs) You know, I would say like the main thing about that section of the year is like we already talked about is that, you know, Jupiter, Pluto with Mars and then Mars, Saturn, Saturn and Aquarius, Saturn squaring Uranus and the Venus retrograde. But then, right, you know, with all of this going on, the Venus retrograde, having already gotten to the really intense part. Um, and actually, when I was mentioning about being, Venus being out of bounds, I'm pretty sure Venus comes back within bounds by that early June period, I think, um, where once she hits the sun, like she, I don't think she's out of bounds anymore. So it's, the, the, it's more like that, that first real kind of breakdown part of the Venus retrograde where it's, she's out of bounds and it's kind of more extreme and she's kind of back in bounds this like the second half of the Venus retrograde. But then, you know, 
there's going to be something stirred up with all of us during this time where we're, we're still really kind of processing whatever's going on with the Venus retrograde on top of everything else. And then Mercury goes, Mercury stations retrograde. And so that Mercury stationing, yeah, takes us right into the eclipse. So the other, I guess the other thing to speak it to is that this very end, this final part of June is like we're going to be coming into the eclipse season because um, as soon as we hit the summer solstice in the northern hemisphere, um, we get a solar eclipse, and it's a it's it's a powerful solar eclipse, and it's pretty close to the solstice. It's very close. It's like we basically solstice. <laughs> we solstice. Uh, if you were in Washington D.C., you would solstice on the twentieth at five forty-three p.m. Mm-hmm. And then we basically have the uh, the eclipse uh, at two forty-one a.m. the next day. So you know we're not even twelve hours out, and we basically solstice eclipse, solstice eclipse. And uh, yeah. there's... I was first looking at this year. This is, and I was already thinking about everything mm-hmm. going on. And then I was kind of looking at that. I was like, that's just the perfect symbol of this year. That in the northern hemisphere, like the sun's at its greatest height, and we want to just kind of, you know, exalt the sun, but it's blackened. You know, it's it yeah, like eclipse. Yeah, and it's so interesting at being so close because the the eclipse happens at zero degrees and twenty one seconds of Cancer, but at that time, you know, we have the uh, the North Node that's now in you know twenty nine degrees of Gemini. So even though it's such a tight eclipse, you know, they're in different signs too. Mm-hmm. Like so, it's kind of like this, you know, almost like passing of a baton in, in many ways. So like we're, we're still getting the taste of this old eclipse, but the new energy is entering in um, much like the eclipse back on, uh, in summer of 2018, when we started to get the flavor of what the, you know, the Capricorn and cancer energy was going to look like. I feel like this is kind of the eclipse that is, you know, well, same with that. And of course we had the, the lunar eclipse prior to this, because this is basically a lunar eclipse, a penumbral, then, uh, you know, the annular eclipse, the strong one, the solar, and then we'll have one more lunar eclipse that's kind of on the weaker variety afterwards. So it's one of those, you know, three first, <laughs> basically. Yeah. And then even the, at that, in that chart, I'm, it sounds like you're looking at, I'm pretty sure Mars and Pisces is sextile Jupiter-Pluto. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah, so it's that's not you know a hard Mars aspect, but still is hitting the Jupiter Pluto by sextile. Well, and that's where we might see you know like maybe we get some traction in whatever we because we were already kind of talking about that hot spot where uh, you know Mars was meeting Jupiter and Pluto and then going on to do the Saturn conjunction, and so maybe that this is where we're starting to get uh, kind of momentum or more opportunities uh, in whatever was seated at that time or, you know, the changes that we made, you know, we're going to get some traction going forward. Yeah. So then the really wild thing about, so this section of the year is very, has a lot going on. Um, and I feel like in another year would be like, wow, this is like a really wild section of the year, but I feel like it's actually the final section we haven't gone to yet where things get kind of the most mm. extreme. But this this section of the year is another just volatile section that I feel like it kind of builds to even more volatility in the final section of the year. But yeah, well, because we, mm-hmm. we get a solar eclipse 
followed immediately by Neptune stationing retrograde on the 22nd, mm-hmm. Venus stationing direct on the 24th, Mars entering Aries on the 27th, mm-hmm. Jupiter conjoining Pluto on the 30th, as well as Mercury conjoining the Sun. So that's kind of like the Mercury's rebirth with the Sun happening at the same time as um, Jupiter with Pluto. Yeah, and the second like the next day, mm-hmm. Saturn goes into Capricorn. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's <laughs> and then like, there's a, like another mm-hmm. lunar eclipse. But like, there's a lot, there's just a, those are all such major things. So like we're, we come to the very end of Venus stationing direct. And it's interesting that Neptune's stationing at the same time. So they're no longer like, they're like 15 degrees away from each other, but they both end up like stationing at the same time. That's wild, especially in relation to, you know, the connections that they make during this, you know, that's, that's when you wonder like who does these planets have an agenda, you know, like it's just too perfect (laughs) most of the time. And so, yeah, that basically the cancer uh, solstice and that eclipse up until, you know, the, the lunar eclipse, there's a lot of activity going on and Mars, once it gets into Aries, you know, it's not, it's going to be there forever. Um, First off. Yeah. It's never leaves Aries. It never leaves Aries, which I am not crazy about personally because I have a Mars ruled chart. Aries is my sixth house. Uh, and whenever Mars comes around, it always gives me health issues. So I'm trying to be proactive <laughs> before I get here because uh, I do not want that. But um, get yes. A, get so a get a workout regimen happening. <laughs> I know I'm going to be scheduling dentist appointments. I'm going to be <laughs> going to have it all like get in there. Um, but yeah, so basically, uh, you know, and then of course, you know, all the cancer energy, all the cardinal energy until, you know, basically this Capricorn rush passes, you know, we get to cancer season, we're going to get lots of oppositions. You know, mm-hmm. the, the sun opposite uh, Jupiter on, uh, actually the sun is going to be opposite Jupiter on July 13th, which happens to be the same time that Mercury is stationing um, mm-hmm. Uh, direct at that point. Yeah. Um, And then the sun opposes Pluto not too long after that. And then five days later, we'll oppose Saturn. And so the middle of July, you know, we get a lot of those oppositions to all the planets that had, you know, seeded in the the earlier part of the year. Um, So once again, there's more movement in this, this area with those planetary agendas. Yeah. So these are the... These are the last um, Cancer Capricorn eclipses that will happen. So that's real significant for people that have um, strong cardinal things in their chart, like you. Like Like me, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I'm all, move on, move on. Yeah, that solar eclipse is, yeah, it's just real, that's the real powerful one around the solstice. And it's sort of like we're recovering from, then we're sort of integrating whatever happened with the Venus retrograde you know we're coming out of that and venus is just like not moving really and that's always a really powerful time you know um Mm. and it's wild yeah and like mercury is then i think i think a nice thing is that the week later on the 30th of mercury's um unites with the sun it's that underworld conjunction with the sun so there's there's normally a bit more clarity right then um we get the other jupiter pluto conjunction right then so hopefully that'll help with um, kind of reorienting a little bit. But then right, you know, we get Saturn going back into Capricorn in July, July 1st. So then we get everybody with the Saturn return stories happening in Capricorn 
or like me, I have Saturn cancer. So I've had a Saturn opposition. Mm, we mm-hmm. get that happening. You know, it's, it's going to come back again, like the final installment of whatever our lesson has been about that transit, you know, starts happening again in July. Yeah. Um, I think it's in the Pacific standard time that the, the lunar eclipse, which is a penumbral one. So it's not a, a real strong one, but that's actually on the 4th of July. I know when I'm like looking <laughs> at it and I know that Mars at that particular point, uh, you know, about four degrees yeah. Aries, that's basically squaring, you know, the U S is Jupiter. Um, and oh. Venus conjunction. Is, uh, is uh, Mars, is that Mars's degree at that lunar eclipse? That's I believe degrees? so. It's, uh, yeah, it is four degrees and oh, 14 minutes. Yeah. Oh, wow. So, so that's squaring the, the, um, yeah. The, yeah, that's the squaring. Eclipse degree again. Yeah. Exactly. So here, and that's the thing that you're going to notice throughout the year too, as we have these new moons, um, we get all these new moon degrees at four degrees at the beginning of the year. And then it's going to start, we're going to start to see the cycle switch where we're going to get into the end degrees of science uh, in cancer season, actually, because we have, it's one of those rare situations where we're going to have the, the new moon on uh, the solstice and that a uh, uh, eclipse we're talking about, but we're going to have another new moon in Cancer at the uh, ver- at 28 degrees on July 20th. So if you didn't get enough Cancer with the eclipse, <laughs> we're going to have two seedings of uh, new moon energy in this sign. Um, yeah, so so there's kind of like there's another part of that's kind of feels like a changing of the guard, uh, just in the way that the lunar cycles are set up in relation to the ingresses too. So that's mm-hmm. that's an interesting shift taking place. Yeah. There. So um, there's definitely a big thing in July about you know um, we're the Venus retrograde. We know we're recovering from that, and and. Mercury is still retrograde. Um, like you said, it doesn't station direct until July 12th. But mm-hmm. as that's happening, we're, we're, Mars is, is in Aries and it's starting to move through Aries. Um, I don't think it's, it's not yet at the point where it's actually at the place where it's going to retrograde back to you. But it's, you know, it squares Mercury retrograde a couple of times. It squares Mercury like on July 8th and after Mercury stations direct they end up squaring again at the end of the month on uh, july 27th mm-hmm. and I think that's the time period where mars at that that's point, the exactly the, in the shadow zone then right the 25th yes of yeah. july so basically uh the 25th of july mars enters uh its shadow the 26th mercury exits its shadow and then the 28th venus finally exits its sha- uh, her shadow mm-hmm. so there's uh once again you know like the, the the shadows are parting for some but they're beginning for the other and it's almost like you know once again like a baton switch in many ways where they're just carrying mm-hmm. on you know the next leg of the process <laughs> what, what also happens right then is uh venus and gemini squaring neptune the last time like oh yeah 7th, i think so that's 20. kind of where that's kind of putting in like the final one of the final pieces of the the venus retrograde events because it'll be direct but you know at that point she's coming back to finally meet neptune the last time and Again, like we were saying, it's also the same time Mercury squaring Mars. Mars is entering the shadow zone. There's also Jupiter and Capricorn sextile Neptune right then at the same time. 
guess we yeah. haven't talked about that one, but that's another one where just the, I guess the imaginal potency that's p- the potential of that with Jupiter and Capricorn. Um, I like the Jupiter sextile Neptune. Well, I have two. Into, yeah. I have two thoughts on that. I like that in relation to the the um, creation orient. You know, because I was saying that whole thing with the Jupiter square Neptune of 2019, as I felt that a lot of us were having our many like dreams and kind of creative impulses that were being activated um, at this time, and then maybe this particular, you know, having the sextile and Jupiter in an Earth sign, um, and in Capricorn, uh, no less. You, you know, maybe there will be room to start to open those projects and be able to make moves on something that was just kind of a vision or a dream or, you know, so that's like the a plus side of it. But then I see other things like when I did, uh, I did a, a whole thing on Jupiter, Neptune square for our astrological society. And I was talking about the opiate crisis, which has, you know, and I thought it was going to, you know, kind of blow that open even more. And I read an article like two days ago and, you know, I think you cannot make this stuff up. So basically the company that makes, you know, the Oxycontin is now manufacturing the cure and the the thing to get over it. So here they have given us, you know, the, the problem. We fully, per, you know, took it in and now they're like, here, we'll sell you the cure. How, to me, that was like so square to sextile, like... <laughs> It's just no, it is, and so there's definitely the side of it where, like, the negative side of like, yeah, people kind of the powers kind of manipulating people with that sex style. Yeah. But that's happening for sure. But yeah, like, and people that had uh, big changes and changes in direction mm. and made big moves and or whatever else happened with that Jupiter square Neptune. Now that they're coming in last year. Um, as they come into sextile at this time, I think there's a really nice, it's, it's a nice place to try to kind of ground and stabilize whatever that change in direction was, I think mm. for sure. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's still a very vault. So, you know, um, right after this, when we get into August, this is where, um, Things have already, you know, June, not like June and July were already volatile, but I think in August is when the Mars retrograde type of stuff starts heating up. Like it's not actually retrograde yet, but August 4th, Mars and Aries um, squares Jupiter and it mm-hmm. is in the shadow zone. You know, August 13th, it squares Pluto. Um, August 24th, it squares Saturn. So at, at this, once we get into August, Mars is in Aries, moving through it, and it's it's hitting those um, doing its first pass, basically. Yeah, doing the first path of, of hitting all those planets in Capricorn, and um, that's um, and this is lining up also around the time that Uranus is stationing itself too. And we talked about that yeah, early in the year with the that same, component. Same time, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, yeah, well, August 15th. So August 13th, Mars in Aries squares Pluto. August 15th, Uranus stationed the retrograde. So mid-August, yeah. basically. Like late, there. yeah, I mean, it's so hard to even pick out periods. It's because you, you get one and then the, the next one is like right, <laughs> right there. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff where like this year, other years, they would, 
it would kind of stand out more, but there's so many things in this year, just like one after the other. Yeah. I have a feeling we'll be desensitized to some extent, <laughs> you know, you're like, we'll, we'll be like, we've been through it. Or what if they used to have those t-shirts that you're like, I survived the blah, blah, blah. I feel like we need to make like, I survived the transits of 2020, you know? <laughs> well, I think one thing that I kind of like about is, I mean, I love astrology and I use it. Um, but I don't think astrology is so helpful if you're just afraid to do anything because of the astrology chart. Yes. And you're actually like, because I really feel like, you know, the best stuff is when we're really in the moment and we're just engaging with life. Mm-hmm. And we're all going to, even if you're someone that gets obsessive about charts, just not want to do anything. You're just afraid of the, you know what I mean? So you really just kind of got to get out there and, you know, do it, you know, not worry about what the astrology chart is looking at, like during these, these time periods, I think. And I totally really agree. Getting out there and, and doing it, whatever it is. And this, this, so this time period, we're going to start seeing, um, you know, on a collective level, there's, there's certainly, obviously, we're going to get start getting a sense of what kind of conflicts are coming into uh, manifestation. Um, and which and it will just be deepening. Um, but whatever is getting kind of volatilized in your personal life, you just have to kind of keep aware. It's, it's, gonna, it's a really drawn out process because by the end of August, Mars is slowing down. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in September, interestingly, actually, while that's going on, you know, Venus is actually in Cancer. So Venus is actually kind of hitting stuff from the other side. Um, yeah. Like Venus on like Jupiter, Pluto. Mars is squaring Saturn. Venus is actually opposing Jupiter. And then September 4th, right as Mars is stationing, Mars and Venus square each other. Venus and Cancer squaring um, Mars and Aries at about 28 degrees. So that happens right as Mars is stationing, but it's actually September 9th that Mars like officially stations retrograde at just over 28 degrees of um, Aries. And then a couple days later, September 12th, see Jupiter stations direct um, also. So that it's kind of happening at about the same time. But the, um, you know, when Mars stations retrograde, that um, can, be, can be a very difficult feeling for a lot of people um, because Mars is locked in with Saturn. Um, there's certainly, uh, I can imagine some people feeling very frustrated about, you know, wanting to do something, but then not really being, you know, this Mars-Saturn kind of conflict. Um, mm. I find Mars retrograde periods I personally find them, I mean, the way that I work with them and is more to, to take it as like an inner journey and really kind of going into um, letting things kind of burn down and come into, try to come into clear contact with, you know, what do I really want to be working on? How do I need to change? Um, and having it be a way to kind of get more clear about what, you know, um, what am I really passionate about making or doing, um, putting your energy into dynamic periods of change, you know, um, 
What are you going to say? Sorry. Oh, I was just saying, put it, you know, what reassessing what you're putting your energy into, mm-hmm. um, exactly. yeah. you know, cause that's basically Mars, you know, Mars's agenda is his agenda <laughs> and what he's, what he's going after and doing. And so it's interesting that Mars is going to basically have that square with Saturn as it's stationing because, uh, you know, have, having Mars square Saturn natally, there, like you said, that frustration, or maybe there's an obstacle that get puts that gets put up, or maybe that whole Jupiter, uh, Mars, Pluto agenda that's been pushing forward since the early part of the year now is being, uh, you know, tested and reconfigured in some way because there might be a barrier to progress before moving forward. And so this is kind of like, okay, well, maybe we have to revisit this, uh, you know, further fine tune it. And, and it might be hard because, you know, like you said, like kind of taking it at more of an inward journey and kind of like turning down the heat on Mars might be a little bit difficult when it's in Aries because, you know, it's in Aries. It's, it's in its sign. It's, it's, it has great strength. And I have come to uh, observe over time that I feel like planets in their own sign and in their own strength, yeah, they are in their, their domicile and they have that dignity but they're also kind of, I don't know, they can be almost loose cannons to a certain extent because they're so comfortable in, in, their, in their own energy that it becomes over the top and almost too mm-hmm. much at certain times. And so, um, I mean... Yeah, this is really interesting because like you're saying, um, it's Mars and Aries and that's a much more impulsive, direct, you know, taking action, moving fast, um, going after what it wants very instinctively going through a retrograde, you know, not moving, peeling backwards while squaring Saturn, Pluto, Jupiter. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> it, it's, it's, it is going to really force a kind of inner journey. Um, it definitely kind of also, I mean, brings to mind a type of, um, you know, um, some sort of, um, you know, the Joseph Campbell kind of heroic journey gets kind of overused sometimes, but it's, it's a thing. <laughs> it is a thing. We're all it, on our it, own. It kind of does kind of make you think of that too, I think. I like that. <laughs> um, there's like this real, like, it's, it's a, there's some sort of, t- I mean, these are really powerful forces, forces, you know, Mars and Aries, Saturn and Capricorn, Mars retrograde and Aries, like facing off with each other. Yeah. So, um, they're very likely maybe something that, I mean, I feel Mars and retrograde can be good for really kind of pushing yourself to get out and do whatever it is that you've been holding yourself back from. Mm. And the last one that was in lined up with Saturn. It was more like Mars with Saturn, that one in Sagittarius a few years ago. Like, um, Oh yeah. I was just looking at that. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a lot of really difficult personal things going on where I was really not personally doing very, very well, but I did end up putting a lot into my work and starting to speak more out in public with like astrology that basically led in, into me, um, getting to speak at like UAC the next year and kind of like me, I'd always kind of been pulling myself back from getting out there talking more. And that was during the time that I did it finally. Well, it's like kind of pushed myself mm-hmm. to take action out in that direction. And, um, then, and so I think that are. that's to me what can, what can happen during a Mars retrograde in, in a good way. 
Well, it's, it's, I'm thinking about in relation to what you're saying, because, uh, um, actually I joined the board of the San Diego Astrological Society mm-hmm. when Mars was retrograde in that April of, uh, 2016. And now here mm-hmm. I am, you know, as of right now, stepping into the presidency and I'll be happy, oh, you know, cool. carrying it through through 2020. So it's kind of funny to watch these cycles link back up again um, for, for something that was started uh, or the, a path that was slowly, you know, I was going to at that time, like much like you were saying, like I, I, it's a similar type of journey. I was getting my feet wet and that was kind of my Mars retrograde move. Um, and it definitely continued to carry me further, uh, after, you know, it was all said and done. So it should be, it'll be interesting this one, this next time around, um, and how that's going to all play out. But I mean, Mars stationing, the same time Jupiter stationing, basically mid, <laughs> mid-September and Mars square Saturn station. Keep in mind too, because Mars square Saturn, you know, like August 24th, give or take a week on either side, you know, just be careful with yourself because, you know, we're talking about uh, fire and earth coming together. I could easily see that as some sort of accident or where, you know, something happens to someone and they're, then they're down for the count. Because I noticed that with other, you know, particular retrogrades, it's like, um, you know, maybe some, maybe you break a bone, God forbid. We don't want any of that to happen. But, but then they have this period where they're forced to not do anything or forced to reassess and they can't keep going the same way. And so, uh, you know, just be conscious of you know, what you're doing basically at that time. <laughs> yeah. And, um, Mercury is also trying Uranus at that time too. So everything's moving fast. <laughs> yeah. I think people just have different I've noticed people seem to have really different relationships with Mars retrogrades. So some people seem yeah. to be able to work more effectively with them as far as actually doing stuff out in the world. And some people seem to have a really difficult time. And so you might be one of those people that need to kind of pull back a little bit too. Lord knows I do. If, if, if nothing, if someone's not going to pull me back, I'm, I'm just going to just propel them forward. It's very cardinal. It's very, you know, because that's the thing is cardinal signs. If you got them, you know, you're always just, you're, you're moving. You're just moving. Yeah, I, actually, <laughs> I do. I mean, I feel like the way I'm looking at this is to be moving, to be working on something, to be active mm-hmm. rather than pulling. Yeah. I, I mean that's that would be the way I, I'm thinking about this because yeah. it's a lot of it's a lot of really active. Well, maybe we're behind the scenes, you know. We're we're like and of course in the timing for this amazing presidential election, um, <laughs> which is it's, just gonna, you know right coming into like the last couple of months of the election, and then this. So it's just well, going to be insane. Uh, it really is. It's yeah. and so that's going to color, you know, the thing in Mars and Aries. We already said it's it can be very rash uh, mm-hmm. in its uh, execution. <laughs> so that you know, just know that everyone is going to be operating under this retrograde Mars and Aries through basically the second half of of twenty twenty. Um, mm-hmm. And so you know, just caveat <laughs> for that, basically. Um, now, are we are we to our next pivot point? Are we yeah, to our? Let's, let's do it. Yeah, let's go to the final part. The, yeah. Da da da! The Libra okay. Equinox. Um, you know, we got more stations going on uh, during Libra season. We got Saturn stationing. Uh, we got Pluto station. Both Saturn and Pluto station direct, and so their agendas are moving forward. Um, now, having gone through, you know, 
interacting with the Mars component. Uh, and then, of course, we have another uh, Mercury retrograde uh, happening on October 13th that is part of this. But mm-hmm. Libra Equinox, what do, you, what do you see, Gray, in our, in our ingress chart? Yeah, so this is the final part of the year, and it's a very dramatic year. And this, to me, is the most... I feel like this is the most dramatic part of the year um, in terms of like the transits. This is, you know, and of course we're building to this, you know, dramatic Jupiter-Saturn conjunction at the end. But this is like the final, like the, you know, Jupiter is making its final union with Pluto. Its final sextile with Neptune might be happening in here too. Um, But it's, getting closer and closer to Saturn. So it's, this is like really a kind of closing out that cycle mm-hmm. um, as Mars retrograde is just lighting it up. <laughs> um, you know, um, so the equinox chart. And then the other thing is like you were saying, Mercury retrograde, um, which we'll talk about. And it's a Mercury retrograde that interestingly sort of threads the Uranus Saturn stuff that we were talking about that's going to become a bigger theme going forward Forward, um, because Mercury stations opposite Uranus stations direct squaring Saturn. So that's that Mercury retrograde is happening mostly in Scorpio. So it's ruled by Mars and that's going to be happening Mm -hmm. like kind of layered within this Mars retrograde setting everything off. So the it's, it's extremely just a, just um it's a definitely just like loaded time period of like looks just like a lot of change happening yeah um well and so even when we libra equinox is basically mars retrograde squaring Saturn. it's squaring saturn pluto and jupiter but it's very closely squaring saturn in, the, in that chart mm-hmm and then with Mercury in opposition, you know, like, and we're talking about election time where a lot of people are going to be heated. Everybody's going to be talking about what they think of, you know, and it's just going to be, I mean, we basically have a T-square going on between uh, Mercury that is about to enter a shadow <laughs> and do the threading, like you were saying. Uh, Mars in that retrograde <laughs> intense position that it's in. And then it's all concentrated on the square to, you know, loosely basically jupiter pluto and saturn all all at once so you know it's going to be a lively (laughs) very lively uh libra equinox and then through the rest of the year you know just based on what we have going on because then we're going to have mercury so mercury is going to uh retrograde on the 13th of october but of course it conveniently stations direct on our actual election day which just mm-hmm. blows my mind that that could happen. <laughs> really wild though about Mercury um, and that equinox chart that I hadn't been thinking. That's one thing I had not actually been thinking about. Um, but yeah, because ultimately what's going to happen is, you know, within this last quarter of the year, Mercury, well, one of the key parts is Mercury finally ending the retrograde squaring Saturn. So actually when we hit the equinox, Mercury is applying to a square with Saturn and an opposition with Mars retrograde. So, um, yeah, it just, again, signifies this very volatile period of time. Yeah, it's um, just, you know, you can't, you can't make us 
<laughs> you just can't make this stuff up. Um, and so, yeah, the Libra Equinox is basically going to usher us into a pretty crazy, you know, like you're saying, Gray, like that last that last quarter of the year. Um, and we already knew this was coming, like at least here in the U.S. We knew this was going to be a hotbed time, but the planets are really helping to move this, um, you know, just how we thought it was going to play out, I think. And so, uh, you know. too is like, so we get Mars retrograde squaring Saturn, like on the 29th. And when I was looking, I was like, oh, like, like, we're trying to have a sense of humor about it. Like, we didn't get a full moon in Aries. <laughs> I know, we got to try to get that humor. That's Chiron. That's like October 1st. So it's like... Um, so that just seems like something in terms of, um, you know, Chiron can have a, Chiron certainly can be a kind of a breakthrough positive planet, um, for sure that can help, um, sort of shepherd or mediate you towards like, you know, breakthroughs and growth and that sort of thing. But it can definitely also sometimes be a pretty wounding type of, a. Yes. Feeling about what's going on. So it's pretty interesting that that full moon in Aries hits, hits it. Um, right at the same time, Pluto stationing, stationing direct and Mars retrograde is squaring Saturn and squaring Pluto. I know. So there's a, there's, there's, it's pretty hyped up right there. Um, and at, at the same time, October 7th, this is a real important, that first week of October Mercury moves in Scorpio to to oppose uh, Uranus and Taurus. And why that's important is about a week later on the 13th, Mercury's going to station retrograde in Scorpio, pretty close in range of opposing Uranus. Um, it won't end up opposing Uranus again exactly until October 19th. But that from like October 7th to October 19th, Mercury is basically just like, opposing Uranus that whole time. Yeah. It's, and that's it's, all happening <laughs> at the same time. Mars and Aries is ruling Mercury, retrograde, squaring Saturn, Pluto, and Jupiter. Mm-hmm. Um, you can throw in Venus and Virgo opposite Neptune and Pisces, actually. It happens right in there, too. I know. It's like, <laughs> it's just, just... Again, like a lot. It's just, it's, it's just everything's really... So I think, like, again, like, to me, like, one thing you can look at that and, like, freak out and get afraid of it. And we know there's certainly going to be difficult things happening. Yeah. But again, it's like things are just really, there's like, that's again, like to me, the, this is especially the part that's like the tower card to me of like things just busting up but like breaking out, but there's this big release of energy. So the, on um, October 19th is when Mercury retrograde in Scorpio is opposite Uranus and Taurus. And then about a week later, October 25th, is when Mercury is going to unite with the sun um, at the inferior conjunction or the, uh, the, the tonic Kazemi, underworld Kazemi, about three degrees of Scorpio. So that end October 25th, we are going to get, that's an, a good time to kind of think, keep in mind that um, I, I, I think that inferior conjunction of Mercury is always a good time to be very reflective and go within and because there's going to be so much change and volatility most likely happening in that month, the, the two, September and October, that's going to be a really good time to, I think, just do a lot of inner reflection. Um, 
pretty immediately after that October 27th, Mercury goes back into Libra. And interestingly, mm-hmm. Venus enters Libra. I know. Inside. It's like the, it, <laughs> they, which is so funny because when thinking about their, um, uh, these, there's, there's been a couple tandem um, moments with Mercury and, and Venus, at least thinking about 2019 and how they had their own like things there. So, so we just get, well, when you think about here we are, we're getting to like the, the crux of like right before the election happening and we have these planets in Libra, you know, and, and, and Mercury like highlighted there and the polling back that you were saying with the Mercury retrograde period, um, you know, it might be that like necessity just to like, you know, recoup and, and, and revitalize oneself from everything that's going on, you know, around us and in the world and the, and the Mars component and all that. And so it could be like uh, for one's own health, you know, almost. To yeah, kind of, like right, right in the middle of when Mars is squaring Pluto and Jupiter, um, October 13th, right? That's when we were saying Mercury stations retrograde. I forgot to mention that that's also basically the same time that the sun is opposite Mars retrograde. So that's sort of like the heart of the Mars retrograde transit when Mars is like the brightest in the sky. And that's right at the same time that Mercury is stationing retrograde, you know, being ruled by that Mars. So that... Like October 13th to like October 27th, no, October um, 25th, October 13th, October 25th. That's like that opening, you know, Mercury retrograde phase where where it is a lot more about like this shedding and breaking stuff down. And it's, it's always a time period of a lot of change. Um, And, you know, this last Mercury retrograde in Scorpio, um, there was definitely a lot of like conflict I was seeing and things like that. And um, so this is going to be a much more intensified yeah. version. Well, and it, but this one was so powerful too, though. I think that it it was, there was a lot of intensity that came along with this past retrograde, at least 2019. So, you know, revisit that in your mind when we go forward, because essentially it's going to be in that same area, but with that, uh, the, the dipping of the toe in the air, you know, once again at, at it, the yeah, end. Yeah, that one did have Mars and Libra, like squaring Saturn and Pluto, but this is a more, Mars and retrograde in Aries is, is is even more kind of intense. Yes. Uh, and really, because what, you know, we're going to have the sun conjunct uh, Mercury, like you were saying there. Actually, that's around the time. Venus is also trining Saturn at that time. So we still get a Saturnian flavor through Venus. And then the sun basically goes on um, after that conjunction uh, with Mercury to oppose Uranus on, on Halloween. You know, this year we yeah. had Halloween, got the station of Mercury, and then 2020 we get a sun opposition. Um, yeah, full moon and Taurus opposite. Yeah, full no, moon, full moon on- and Taurus conjoining Uranus. It's a, yeah, the sun's opposite Uranus, and it's a full moon. Yeah, at the same time. It's pretty wild. Well, for, and for you partiers out there, the Halloween will be on a Saturday this year. Actually, all the ho- a lot of the holidays yeah. are falling on weekends this year, so people in the, in the regular <laughs> 9 to 5 are like, damn it. Um, a wild Halloween. Yeah, it's going to be a wild Halloween. Really so. wild Halloween because all, all this <laughs> other stuff going on on top of that, yeah. Yeah, Mercury, that Mercury retrograde is squaring Saturn, you know, the Venus opposite Chiron. You know, yeah. there's just... A lot going on at that point, and we're and we're and just 
we're so close to like, you know, a pivot point in, in the U.S., you know, obviously for what will be going on at that time. So just heightened, 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 you know, full moon on Halloween, basically, uh, this hey, year. So like, um, what, November 3rd is basically election day, right? And that's yeah. literally the day that Mercury stations direct. And right before that, November 1st, we have Mercury retrograde in Libra squaring Saturn. Also, Venus is opposite Chiron at the same time. But the main thing there is the... The Saturn. The Mercury-Saturn square as it's stationing directing. Yeah, that's election day. And then November 6th, Mercury squares Saturn again, moving direct. I know. It's like within like... November is like really, yeah... So not only is Mercury stationing, but it is squaring Saturn as it stations with exact hit points on either side of the actual election date. So Mm -hmm. if you think the results are in by that day, forget about it. (laughs) And and if they are in, I would question it. (laughs) Basically, I think that there will be a a delay, at least that's what I'm thinking, some Mm -hmm. sort of delay to our political process. Because, uh, you know, really Jupiter then goes on to meet Pluto for the last conjunction, what, a week after that, um, on yeah, so uh, the, November 12th. Yeah, so there's a really interesting thing there about, again, when we talked about that earlier, when Mercury's stationing direct and how, um, you know, typically that's the time to really kind of integrate what are these changes you've been going through. There's all this volatility happening during that time. Um, but the square to Saturn and Capricorn, there seems like there's something there, like there's a real reckoning, I guess, that mm. seems to me like you, you know, whatever it is that you kind of feel like doing or whatever is emerging at that time, you know, just kind of notwithstanding the election and, you know, the way the country's so polarized, at least half the country is going to be going insane about whatever the election results were. Mm-hmm. Um, and you're right, there could also just be a fight over what the election results even were. Well, because, um, I mean, uh, yeah. Jupiter conjunct Pluto, uh, you know, uh, what, nine days after, at that the happens, same time that Mars, that, yeah. at the same time Mars is stationing direct in Aries, mm-hmm. you know, um, so there, it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a, yeah, it's a, something there really about, um, I think on a positive level that Saturn Capricorn squaring the Mercury stationing direct is, mm-hmm. is like really getting a lot more clear about your circumstances, what you can really kind of realistically do. Um, but then you're right. The next really major thing is, well, actually, you know, November 9th, we have Venus and Libra opposing Mars retrograde. That's actually pretty significant. That is significant. Retrograde. Then Mercury gets back to Scorpio. But then, yeah, the big, the really big thing is that November 12th, November 13th. So November 12th is Jupiter. Last final conjunction between Jupiter and Pluto with Mars stationing direct at the same time at like 15 degrees of Aries. So, um, yeah, the aftermath of that election is incredibly, sure, there's conflict either way there's in yeah we know we know that's gonna be the case it just is what it is but you know and it's interesting venus's relation to mars within this because like you said venus is going to pose mars retrograde you know a few days before mars stations 
Mars stations. We have Jupiter conjunct Pluto. And then Venus is going to go on to basically then square Pluto, square Jupiter, square Saturn, you know? So then Venus is, you know, she's already, she's opposed Mars. They, they talked and then she goes on and she makes her connections uh, here. The interesting thing about that is, I think, again, like kind of getting away from whatever the larger collective things are just on the personal lives. Um, that Venus and Libra moving in there right then, you know, following Mars, having already volatized all of that. Mm-hmm. It definitely could still be some difficult things for Venus, but um, I did notice this last year when we had that where Venus came through in Libra, there were some difficult things that came with that, but it also, I think, was helpful in terms of sort of figuring out how to address and deal with and tend to whatever has been disrupted or yeah. those hard Capricorn issues are, whatever's kind of been fracturing. Um, I think that that could be a positive thing of it. Yeah. Because um, well, at the end of the day, you know, we all have to live with one another, you know, <laughs> and, and, and whatever scenario. And so, you know, Venus opposing um, Mars in a, in a very strong position as it's about to station, you know, perhaps it, she can kind of like help repair some things afterwards or help to have conversations or to, uh, you know, like bridge any gaps that might need to be bridged at that point from her strength in Libra to address mm-hmm. some of these, you know. Uh, because you know there's just going to be that in the air. And, you know, I firmly believe that what happens collectively, it, it somehow seeds down into our personal life because we're just living with the energy around us. And so, um, you know, and even if we have, you know, maybe Mars and Venus gets in a fight on the opposition or whatever, as Mars is stationing and it's, oh, yeah, you know. Sure. Yeah, so th- then you can kind of like, hopefully maybe have some of those hard talks and, you know, Venus square, uh, square Pluto and Jupiter, because at that point, Jupiter is conjunct Pluto. So it's, Mm -hmm. you know, these are happening simultaneously within strength. And so Venus can help us grow there, help us push forward, help us, you know, uh, release some of the past, but it's not going to be easy. It's, you're going to have to have maybe hard conversations, make some difficult choices or, you know, uh, choose some different, you know, particular paths or something, but. Yeah. And that being the final Jupiter Pluto, you know, that's going to be the third one. So. All right. Well, funny enough, my computer decided to die on a, you know, Gray and I's marathon of 2020. <laughs> so we're, so in the interest of uh, making jokes, cause we both have uh, some strong Gemini energy, we can go forever. Um, but okay, Gray. So we're going to move on. We're, we're done with a, a clip or we're not, we're not done with eclipses. That's where we're going, but we're done with elections. We know there's going to be volatility in yeah. that Scorpio season. I mean, it is Scorpio season, so there's that. Um, but, Sagittarius, so we we move on, we're moving on. Venus opposes Uranus, you know, November 21st. Uh, I think that's where we left off. We were talking about some Venus movements there. Um, But so where are we headed to? Yeah, the end of of November, we get a lunar eclipse in Gemini, which is uh, conjoining Aldebaran. Yes. Um, And it's, again, not as powerful of of a lunar eclipse, but it is a lunar eclipse. On my Mars. The, the so. next really, the, the big, you know, the finale of the year that's the big event is the sequence of there being a 
a solar eclipse, like a powerful solar eclipse on December 14th in Sagittarius, about 23 degrees. It's conjoining Mercury also. So Mercury is kind of mixed in with it. And then right after that, December 16th, we get Saturn entering Aquarius for good. Mm-hmm. December 19th, we get Jupiter entering Aquarius for good. Um, and then actually, interestingly, you know, right before the really big event, we also get Mercury um, superior conjunction with the sun. It's like at the very last degree of Sagittarius. So it's kind of interesting. No one's going to be talking about that. Mm. But Mercury is like uniting with the sun at the same time. Um, and that's sort of like the way that Mercury is involved in that solar eclipse on the 14th. There's just kind of, it's, it's just sort of there. But the big, you know, turning of the ages, new air triplicity era happens on the solstice. So it's the Jupiter Saturn conjoining first degree of Aquarius on the solstice. Um, and that's basically also at the same time that Mars is squaring Pluto. A couple of days after that, we get Mars and Aries um, squaring Pluto. And actually, funny enough, just to throw in, the, you know, we get a full moon on the 29th. So it really kind of goes out with a bang with Venus actually squaring Neptune on the other side. So this is Venus and Sagittarius. Yeah. So like there's, there's all these like themes from the year all kind of woven back together there at the end um, in terms of like Mars squaring Pluto, Venus squaring Neptune, full moon and Cancer. But well, and the even main the... thing is really that solstice, that Jupiter-Saturn alignment in Aquarius that we've been kind of waiting for all year. If that's and it'll like be... birth right there. Well, and it's so interesting too, coming off of that solar eclipse and Sagittarius energy, because, you know, let's keep in mind that this is the first... As- solar eclipse now that the uh, the nodes shifted back in early may of the year um but it's so interesting to me that it is trying our now direct mars you know and so here mars is getting like the sagittarius sagittarius you know eclipse boost in this you know of course it goes on to do things like you just said <laughs> but um you know there there's it's interesting. Mars's agenda seems to be pushed forward after all of the back and forth and the you know reconfiguration with some of the aspects that we were talking about. Uh, and then, like you said, basically, you know, we get Saturn, uh, you know, moves into Aquarius on the sixteenth, and then Jupiter moves in on the nineteenth of December, and then bam, on the solstice, they meet in the skies, um, and and then poof, we're in a new era. <laughs> And we've grand conjuncted all over the place. <laughs> yeah, and I, I know we have to wrap up what we're saying, but you know, and whole the amount of time we've been talking, you could talk just about Jupiter Saturn. Um, yes. but I guess just to talk about it briefly, it's 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 they they do define um, eras. If you go back in history, um, you know, people born at Jupiter Saturn conjunctions, interestingly enough, also tend to end up being major players mm-hmm. um, in world events. Um, like I know, like my um, da- oldest daughter was born. She's got Saturn and Jupiter and Gemini. She was born not long after the Taurus conjunction. Um, so her and her group, like the kids born in 2000, yeah. you know, they're all going to be about 20 at this point. 
um, kind of come in their own, but then there's people that are, you know, going back, like you mentioned earlier, like the 80, um, 81 Jupiter, Saturn people. Um, it, it's so but it, it, it's big for everybody, but there, there's such a potency to that alignment that it's interesting. You'll, you'll often also see people that have major things to say and kind of perform at these turning points often have it themselves like um in rock and roll history you know just off the top of my head you know i'm thinking john lennon bob dylan right Mm -hmm. here in that 1941 um they come into the 60s and they just you know step on the stage um the world stage in a major way but that you see that a lot Um, yeah and and like we're saying these also this is defining eras of time and so just to go into that super, super briefly, um, the air eras, you know, we're, we're, we're talking about, we're closing down this much larger 200 year cycle of earth, earth era. And, and that idea of earth being very dense and fixated. And, you know, we've been in this age of like, uh, colony co- colonizing and empire building and industrial revolution using all these resources and consolidating power structures and the air element, you know, that it tends to things getting, getting kind of broken up and thinking shifted around and new communication channels opening languages, combining ideas, combining um, some of the past ones when we've been at these transition points have been like um, Genghis Khan and the Mongol empire breaking up things like Marco Polo was in that one. Mm -hmm. There was like the, actually the um, crusades were happening. Then the one before that was like the Roman empire getting broken up. The one before that was like Alexander the great coming through and breaking up empires and forging new connections through, you know, his just like kind of disruption. Um, and so obviously we can think about that kind of thing going, starting to take shape um, while this is all happening. And obviously with air element, there's a lot of things that are going to be with regard to technology. Yes. And um, where we're, we're already at with the internet and all, and whatever other technological innovations are happening, you know, it's squaring Uranus and Taurus at the same time. So there's just really major changes coming Tech out booms, in 2021. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think that's, and we already see that. I mean, we're, we've been talking about like AI forever and, you know, self-driving cars and like all these things that seem like, you know, the future, but all those things are not too, not that far away when we, we see this big shift that's taking place uh, in trying to hopefully repair us in some way, like the breaking up energy, like you know, I like to look at just Aquarius energy in the sense of uh, Saturn taking on the the role of reformer um, in some way. If I if I try to think of it, the high high side of things that it's happening in Aquarius for this next twenty year cycle is because we are at a, a at a place where there's so much that we need to reform, and especially in relation to our use and our production and how we're utilizing the resources of the planet, um, and and uh, maybe that's part of the breaking up too. Just our you know our our daily habits and our routines as people and how we've set up society, uh, you know, that has to shift. It has to, it has to break up. Um, and hopefully technology will pl- 
play a part in that. But as you know, you might have seen the things going around with the one scientist that's like, look, you know, scientists can can fix certain things, but they can't fix, you know, they can't fix greed. They can't fix selfish, you know, they can't fix that. That creates, that needs a cultural shift, you know, emotional, you know, people need to shift. Science can't fix that. Uh, and that might be part of the, you know, journey through this as we're in this kind of Aquarian energy and trying to reform a lot of what might have been, uh, broken, you know? <laughs> so I'm hoping, um, I, I consider it super po- I, well, positive within perspective, but I think it's going to be a, a, a startling shift over the next 20 years in, in many ways because of this. Yeah, well, the next decade's got some wild transits to it if you've looked ahead. And, you know, I, I, we're definitely going to have to figure out how to survive on the planet in this next decade. And um, it's going to, I don't, everything's not going to get fixed overnight, but this is definitely like a kind of a turning point. Mm-hmm. It, I mean, it really, it really is a new era. It's just interesting that you can kind of sense that it's, that we're at that point to go into some, having to address things in a different way. I mean, that's what the astrology says. Yeah. And so here we are. That's 2020 for you, essentially. You know, we are, we are <laughs> it's, it's, it is what it is. And that's the thing. And it's going to take everyone's uh, participation, everyone's awareness. You know, if you made it through the woke, <laughs> the whole woke, Michelle Wolf said the other day, she's like, some people are too woke. They need to go back to sleep. You know, it's, it's kind of funny because if we are, if we have become woke, you know, in a sense that we're utilizing it positively, not just bickering and picking apart one another. You know, here we are. We're, this is it. This is, you know, step into those shoes, get ready to move forward uh, and, and use this year in a dynamic way um, because we're all getting some sort of reconfiguration, some sort of tower energy, like you said earlier. I think the tower is a, a perfect way of looking at 2020. But in- Another thing you brought up about woke, it just made me think of something like Stoke the Woke to actually like do something yeah instead of just criticizing people and tearing people down actually like do something like take very direct creative actual you know actually organize something significant like do something you know to create what you actually want to see that would be a really good shift of how some of that goes Mm, I like that. Well, and especially with, uh, you know, we talked so much about Mars and, and Aries and that retrograde journey and squaring all that Capricorn because maybe that is part of it. Like that's, you know, stepping up, taking action. These are cardinal signs. It's initiating something new or pivoting the energy in some way. And so, you know, don't just Jupiter square Neptune, you know, Sagittarius, blah, 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 blah. Like get up, do something, you know, join, uh, you know, forces with other people or step you know, just just be the agent of change you want to see in the world instead of ex- waiting for the world to change itself because it's just mm-hmm. not going to happen unless we all yeah. take responsibility. And, and like you were saying with like technology, you know, we do have now people have the ability to have all these platforms and there's ways that that can be happening where we're kind of collaborating with each other. And so that that will hopefully be something that starts manifesting some change over time 
Yeah. Over time. And that's the, that's the key too. We got to keep that in the back of our heads over time, you know, and we might want to rush through this, you know, transformation we're all trying to go through, but this is, it's just not, it's just not going to be rushed through. It's, it, this is a, a lengthy process, um, that, you know, to some extent, you know, we're, Dare I say we're honored to be living at this time? You know, this is a special time in history uh, that, you know, many humans that came before us, there's just so many factors at play that are unique to uh, human existence and where it's headed Mm -hmm. at this time. So um, engage with it, I suppose. Um, But all right. Well, you know. Oh, what didn't we say? What did we say? I don't know. Hopefully you've gotten... Yeah, that's a... We, that's a we, yeah, we, we, yeah, we've said enough for now. We, we for, for now, we'll get you back later. No, but okay. So great. Where, remind people where uh, they can find you and what in, um, you know, your social media stuff and all that. Yeah, so graycrawford.net, G-R-E-Y, crawford.net is my site. And on Instagram, I think I am gray underscore Crawford underscore astrology. astrology. <laughs> I have a Facebook page. Also, I have a Patreon you can check out if you're interested in supporting me. And I am actually on Twitter now, but I don't oh. do a whole lot with it. And I um, just am not going to say anything about it. <laughs> We'll redact that. Yeah, <laughs> Redacted Twitter. <laughs> That's funny. So, and of course, I always put a, a blog post up that will have, you know, the guest information. So you can come and find that over at energeticprinciples.com. And you can also find me on social media. Uh, I don't do the Twitter game, but I am on Instagram and Facebook at Energetic Principles. And of course, I have my Patreon as well at patreon.com backslash Energetic Principles. <laughs> um, so, you know, it, share this with a friend if they want to know what's going on in 2020, you know, like I know we got pretty astro heavy and things. So hopefully you'll be able to follow along with some things, but there's just a lot at play. Uh, and this is a pivotal year. So, you know, share with a friend, leave a nice review wherever you listen to this and um, hopefully it'll help spread the word and really, you know, save this for later because you might want to come back and listen at these quarters that we're talking about uh, and all the solstice and equinox points, because there really are, you know, pivot points more so than they already are with their cardinal energy just because of the configurations for 2020. So, you know, you might want to bookmark this for later to come back and, and digest in, in, you know, pieces over time too. So, um, all right. Well, Gray, always a pleasure talking to you. Thank yeah. you again. Yeah, thank you. All right. And always a pleasure talking to you for hours on end. So, you know, welcome to 2020. I hope uh, it's, you know, the best year yet. (laughs) And as always, may the stars be with you.